No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. This episode of No Simple Road is dedicated in loving memory to our brother, friend, and past guest of the show, David Adam Kasikov. David was a pioneer in cannabis legalization here in Oregon, fellow deadhead and brother, and he will be sorely missed. And I just wanted to say a couple of words before we get started. Unto them from whose eyes the veil of life has fallen, may there be granted the accomplishment of their true wills. Whether they will absorption in the infinite, or to be united with their chosen and preferred, or to be in contemplation or to be at peace, or to achieve the labor and heroism of incarnation on this planet or another, or in any star or aught else, unto them may there be granted the accomplishment of their wills. You'll be missed, David. This episode of No Simple Road is sponsored by the one and only Shop, Shop Tour, Tour Bus. Shop Tour Bus, everyone. So if you've gone over to Shop Tour Bus in the past and you've seen that they were out of stuff, that is not the case anymore, ladies and gents. They are restocked for fall. Yeah, they, they are. They ready. said they went nuts. They <laughs> they, they, they went nuts. Yeah, went nuts and restocked on a ton of the stuff. Uh, what do we got here? They restocked on Scarlet, Fire. Music Never Stop, Cosmic Charlie, Terrapin, Loser. Uh, Got to go over there. Act fast. They're going fast. They and these do go are. fast. They do go fast. So head on over to shoptourbus.com or at shoptourbus on Instagram. And when you're checking out, make sure you put in the promo code No Simple Road. All one word. When you're checking out, you're going to get free shipping. And free shipping. Don't forget the dope box that you get from them. The box is part of the deal with this it's either all over printed or you can request one of their hand designed one of a kind boxes with the grateful dead lyric on the inside and some of you folks are even going to get a miracle in your order so that's Aww, pretty cool bootleg bootleg Whoop. miracle in there. that's right so go to shoptourbus.com put in the promo code no simple road for free shipping and get yourself re-hooked up for fall 
Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available, and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. that you were before have half the people out there are like what the f- i know i've done that several about? times on here and the other half are like oh yeah welcome back on anyway hey now no slipper road family what's happening everybody this is aaron this is mel and this is apple yeah man what's up everybody it's a it's a very very special week here yes it is on no simple road we have somebody that <laughs> Roger McNamee. Well, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read you just, he's so amazing that he has a Wikipedia page dedicated to him. <laughs> this isn't just a musician. This is like a, a philanthropist. A renaissance uh, like, man. Yeah. The, yeah. Qualifies almost as the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. I would say he's right <laughs> up there in the running. So yeah. this is an older post in, in uh, Wikipedia. But it says Roger McMee is an American businessman, investor, venture capitalist, and musician. I would have put musician first and yeah. then all that other stuff, but that's cool. He is the founding partner of the venture capital firm Elevation Partners. Prior to co-funding the firm, 
McNamee co-founded the private equity firm Silver Lake Partners and headed the T. Rowe Price Science and Technology Fund. McNamee is a touring musician, first as a founding member of the Flying Other Brothers, and more recently in that group's follow-on band, Moon Out. Counting the two groups, McNamee is estimated that he's played 800 shows as of 2009. That was a long time ago. He's played a lot more shows than that by now. Way more shows. And now he's on No Simple Road. Yay! So you guys, I mean, everybody, that is, you could see why we're a little excited to have Roger as a guest on the show. Roger McNamee of Moon Alice and many, many other incredible things in life. But what an awesome conversation. I just want to say right out the gate. Thanks again, Roger, for taking your time and coming on the show and spending some time with us. Yeah, it. this was one of those instances when I felt a little nervous before the interview, just simply because of the caliber of... Yeah, Kelly, we say because kind of his pedigree, yeah. like you, it's like, okay, and this was, this was so fun and kind of an education, and I mean, this... This is a super great interview. And he was so down A lot to earth. of laughs. Well, you were saying that about being nervous, but then immediately, immediately. at ease. Yeah, I think yeah. the first thing he did when we got on the video call with him was showed us his original Stanley Mouse print that was behind him on the wall. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is just. Yeah, what do you say? Man. He's a poster nerd, music nerd. Yeah. I, love, I love this one. So much fun and such a great education in this and, interview, too. And if any of you out there are not familiar with Moon Alice, shame on you, but now it's time to catch up. And I mean, this has been many, many iterations over the years. Um, we had the chance of catching them this year at Skull and Roses. Finally got to see them live. Amazing. The, it's a, yeah, it's a, a happening. Oh, when yeah. Moon Alice plays. It's a. <laughs> it feels like a marching band coming down the street, like, yeah. <laughs> but they're not going anywhere. They're just. <laughs> they're marching on the stage. Yeah. And no, it's tons of energy, tons of fun, tons of smiles. Like, yeah, it's it's the best. It really, really is something special to see. And, the, and they have canceled um, indoor shows for the foreseeable future but they are playing outdoors so if they're playing near you do yourself a favor go check out yes. moon alice and you know most of the people in our scene are quite familiar with who moon alice is so you know we're not telling you anything you don't already know but for those of you that don't know now you know check and it you're out welcome um, and go to their website because like we say i i'm a poster nerd and all this and they, they have always had some of the coolest like graphic art prints and yeah. they ha- and they have them cataloged on their site so you can go back and look at all the different posters. And also on October 2nd, Moon Alice is going to be um, playing a twin bill with Questlove's Oscar winning documentary Summer of Soul at the chapel in San Francisco. Really? So it's an outdoor show. Um, Lester Chambers is going to perform in person and then on film. So that's going to be pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. wow. So this is Tuesday, October 2nd. That's right. That documentary has Lester in it quite a few times, doesn't it? Yeah. And one of the last things um, Roger said was get Lester on and we are going to follow through with that. We are excited about that. We can't wait. Yeah. So we are excited for all of you to hear this, but we have to do the business first. But also remember that after the conversation with Roger, remember to hang out. The show is not over. It's the other half of No Simple Road that just happens to be the three of us hanging out with you. So yeah, it's the more personal that. side yeah. of us. The us side of the No Simple Road extravaganza that is 
Friday morning. I like that extravaganza. I just want to mention one more um, performance that they're going to have. Okay. They have a, um, it, first of all, it's, um, I'm reading their Instagram post, so it's really cool because it's a beautiful poster. Um, and it is for an upcoming show at Backyard Concert in Santa Rosa, California. So at The Crush. So check out their Check out, sorry, uh, check out their Instagram for all their upcoming shows. Cool. Thanks, Mel, for the, for the what is that? The calendar of events? Yeah, yeah. Moon, Moon Alice's calendar of outdoor events. Yeah, yeah the skinny, the lowdown. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> the whatnot. <laughs> but you know. that would be really cool to see Lesser Chambers perform and then see Summer of Soul because that movie is so powerful. Yeah. If and you... then to see him, like, wow, that's... I mean, that's straight up something really special. Questlove did something really special by creating that Summer Soul documentary. That it's powerful. Yeah, man. bringing it out and uh, like just exposing it, and giving it air. It, it is such a beautiful documentary, but it's an even more beautiful thing because it was over weekends, multiple weekends, and so it was like this organized like party for a, yeah for peaceful entire, beautiful yeah. like thing for not even the neighborhood but for the city for the like it it's an amazing feat yeah and what a beautiful thing beautiful like footage of the all the acts the community yeah, and really cool. yeah it was special well let's do the business and get them to roger yep should we do that the business yeah yeah so follow no simple road at no simple road on facebook twitter and instagram Go to www.nosimpleroad.com. You can get your No Simple Road merch there. You can sign up for a tarot reading there. You can sign up for the No Simple Road newsletter there. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash No Simple Road. That is how you out there can support the No Simple Road family monetarily. Just like our friend Matthew M. What? Who just became a $5 patron. Matthew Matthew M. Matthew M. Dude, oh my gosh. Thank, thank you, you so much. That's that so sweet. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you, Matthew. See, you see how happy we just got everybody? Yeah. You know, if you could see, we were all did a little, doing a little dance in our chairs and stuff. Our, and yeah, it makes us very happy. That is $5 closer to us being able to do No Simple Road full time. Do you know how warm my heart is right now? It's, it is, well, it's warm. Just know that. Thanks to Matthew. Yeah. And and you could do the same thing. That's patreon.com forward slash no simple road. That's how that works. And another <clears throat> awesome thing you can do for No Simple Road is leave a five star review on Apple Pods like uh Mega Man one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> I love it. Um this is pretty awesome. I'm redoing this because I didn't realize how long it was and it, I cut myself off in the middle of this beautiful five-star review we got. So here it is. Y'all's podcast is a breath of fresh air. The interviews don't feel forced. They feel organic. They feel like a conversation with like-minded people around the fire at a campground after a show or on the back porch with friends after a wonderful night together. Personally, I think this is the best way to conduct an interview as it puts the subject of the interview at ease and allows him or her to feel relaxed and not assaulted by questions and on edge. I applaud y'all for this approach. Keep it up, my friends. I had the opportunity to meet and get to know y'all at the Dick's run this year, and I could not have asked for a better group of people to spend the weekend with. Aww. 
We are without our normal crew of people, and y'all opened your heart and family to us. Sometimes that sort of an interaction, particularly at a show, can have a bit of a superficial quality to it. It's there in the moment, but it quickly fades. But I cannot express how much these individuals, Mel and Aaron, and the rest of y'all's crew, embody the antithesis of this waning quality. They love wholeheartedly and are fully genuine in their actions towards others. The two of you had no reason to be there so solidly for the two of us. We didn't know you. You didn't know us. But when we struggled, you helped us. And when we celebrated, y'all reveled in it with us. These are wonderful people. And this is a wonderful podcast. Do yourself a favor and listen to one and all. Cannot express the highest level of respect mm-hmm. I have for them and their podcast. Damn. That. Wow. Wow. Chris, that's really sweet that's the only september review we needed yeah that that made up for september made mel all teary-eyed over there that's (laughs) sweet thank you so much man i i I wasn't there uh but the way these two spoke have spoken about hanging with you and to get that now um i can't wait to meet you wow thank you man thank you brother yeah it it's a it's a trip to like you said, meet people at a show and, and I know what you mean about the superficial quality of it. It could seem like that, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I love people that we meet. <laughs> I just do. And they're amazing. And I feel like when we're put in a situation like that, like where we're next to somebody and we connect, that's for a reason. And it's real. It's not a, it's not just for the night, you know? So those are the people that are supposed to be in your life for one reason or another. And we'll never know why until we hang out with them. More. <laughs> until you hang out. <laughs> so thanks for that beautiful that really review. really sweet. Yeah. So sweet. And you know, the reason that we ask for reviews from all of you is not so that our egos can be stroked or that we can look cool or whatever. <laughs> it has to do with, the algorithm on Apple Podcasts and helping to grow No Simple Road. And that is one of the biggest ways that podcasts get put in other people's feeds is podcasts that have good reviews. So that's why you hear everybody asking for reviews and five stars and all that. And that's why we ask because we want the show to grow and we want more people to share space with us and hear these conversations that we have and be part of the No Simple Road family. It's yeah. pretty simple. So, yeah. Uh, did we miss anything in the business? What? That's just going to... Mm. Oh, yeah. You can also call oh, the, the tepid, tepid line. 971-808-1524 is the No Simple Road tepid line. It's not cold. It's not a hotline. It's tepid. It's a tepid line. You can call in with anything you want. Lately, we've been asking y'all to call in... With recipes. With recipes. And we actually have one right here. No Simple Road family. You're a fan of, well, since like 2018, I guess. So I've been listening for a while. Called in a couple times. Uh, and I really liked the interview you guys did with Nathaniel. Uh, I'm kind of similar in the way that you probably wouldn't think I'd be a fan because I'm also a southerner from Florida, metalhead, but also like psychedelics and some jam. Um, but, uh, figured I'd give you guys a, uh, 
a recipe, something easy me and my wife make, you know, at least once a week. It's buffalo chicken and rice. If you have a rice cooker, uh, you know, just make however much rice you want. Get some chicken tenderloins, cut them up into little, you know, bite-sized pieces, and then buy whatever kind of buffalo sauce you like. Put the chicken in a pan with the buffalo sauce and just kind of cook it until the, the sauce is a consistency that you like. And uh, I add in a little bit of, like, ranch powder into the buffalo sauce, maybe a little bit of garlic powder to or minced garlic to flavor it up. And then when it's done, you just put it over some white rice, and it's really good. But anyway, love the show, guys. And uh, that's have a good perfect. One. Buffalo chicken and rice. That fun. Sounds really I like, good. I like the mixing the powder ranch in there too. Yeah. And then you got like your dip mixed with it. I'm, I'm down. Gonna, I'm gonna do that next time. I'm stoned, man. Which is always. So thank you. <laughs> which is in ten minutes. <laughs> no, man, that's perfect. You see, Yay. look, thank we got, you for that. We got um, what was the. Uh, Help me out, man. What was the other recipe? I can't remember what adobo. it was. Adobo. Ch- Ch- yes, adobo. That you can put on everything. Yeah. We got buffalo chicken. So we got two recipes now. Come on. Who's going to be the next contestant on Price is Right? <laughs> it's not a contestant. 971-808-1524. Call in with your recipes. We are making the No Simple Road Family Cookbook. And I had just thought of an idea and we're going to do this. We're going to make the buffalo chicken. Yes. We're going to make the buffalo chicken and put it on Instagram live. We're going to make it live. Yeah, that way you could see it. It'll be a, a audio visual experience. And if we don't do it, then we forgot. We, we apologize. But no. It'd be fun. It would be fun. You get stoned and make chicken and rice. Mm-hmm. Buffalo chicken and rice. That sounds Dope. Yeah, I'm hungry. So anyway, anyway well, that's then, the tepid line. And then the other thing that we always add that this is the easiest thing that you can do. Open your mouth <laughs> and tell somebody that is your friend, family member, whoever, about one of the episodes you think that would appeal to them. Shit, tell somebody you don't like. Yeah. Maybe yeah. You yeah, can yeah, take up and yeah, become friends. Yeah, they'll no be like, road. dude, thanks that for hooking me idea. up with that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's mad at you. You're like, you know what? Why don't you listen to No Simple Road? Yeah. And then they'll listen. They'll be like, "Dude, that was so what, sweet." I forget what we were what we were beefing about. Why don't we yeah. hang out and go to a show? <laughs> that, that would be awesome. So yeah. yeah, tell somebody that you that you love or don't love or you know how you feel about them. Tell tell people. Cool. I think that's the business, everybody. Yeah, that, that's the business. Okay, so we're gonna get you to the interview. Remember to hang out afterwards to hang out with us, and that's that. Without further ado, the No Simple Road Crew gives you. Roger McNamee of Moon Alice.
Moon Alice has been around since 2007, but it's been through four phases. Okay. So in the first version, we had G.E. Smith, who'd been Bob Dylan's band leader and also ran the Saturday Night Live band. Yeah. Uh, and we had uh, Jack Cassidy from the Jefferson Airplane and Hot Duna in the original configuration. And Pete Sears, Barry Sless, and I were part of that, along with my wife, Ann, and uh, uh, Jimmy Sanchez on the drums. And then Jimmy decided to go to Thailand and GE got the gig to play with Roger Waters. Oh, wow. So he, he was going to do stadiums. And so John Molo joined the band and we have a period of time where we're playing as a quintet. Okay. Then my wife retires and we play as a quartet of John Molo, Barry Slats, Pete Sears and me. And then Jason Crosby joins the band in 2014. Who's amazing. So that's phase three. And then in 2019, we're literally at this one day festival in San Francisco for the summer solstice. And it's one of these things where every year you reproduce San Francisco music of 50 years earlier. So it Aww. started in 2017 with a, you know, a summer of love thing. Okay. And we got as many of the, original artists to do their own songs as possible. So wow. Lester was there to do Time Has Come Today, right? We had uh, uh, David Freiberg to do uh, Pride of Man and, you know, uh, other a bunch of other things. We had, you know, people from all these great bands. So it's a beautiful day. We had uh, David and Linda LaFlame there to do, do White Bird and um, Norman... Uh, Greenbaum to do a spirit in the sky. So we, you know, really, oh, wow. really cool things. Right. And so we do this for each year and at the 2019 one, we're all sitting around and the T sisters were there to sing a Beatles song, acapella. Mm -hmm. wow. And Lester and Dylan were there to do times come today and people get ready. And we're just shooting the shit and just going, well, what are you guys up to? And it turned out that T's had just fired their, booking agent and Lester and Dylan were kind of between things. And so I'm looking at him going, well, what do you say we play a gig together and see how it goes? And so we played one in Union Square. So San Francisco has this park. It's just a city block right in the middle of the downtown, right? Just a gathering place in front of the, the St. Francis hotel. And there's all these fancy shops around it. Okay. And we'd been playing there once a month, every summer for, like six shows every summer and they come and do this thing and the audience just goes banana. We have a blast. And so we say, Hey, we're going to lock in in Virginia. Like in a few weeks, you want to come, we've got a couple of shows in front of it. We'll get on a bus and we'll, we'll try touring together and see how it goes. Well, the lock in thing was magic. Yeah. And the twins, the T sister twins had their birthday while we were on the road. And it was this family thing. And you have to imagine. So Lester at that time is 80. <laughs> and the T sister twins, I think, had their 33rd birthday. Oh. So we've basically got three generations in the band. Wow. And and it just it was magical how much fun it was. So we go, well, how about if we just like finish the year together and see how it goes? Well, it went crazy to the point where our booking agent is planning this monster 2020 20, tour that was gonna be like large clubs, small theaters. You know, I would have wound up with 70, 75 shows, something like that. 
Oh, wow. It was supposed to start at the very end of March. Oh, that's painful. The whole thing gets killed. But Jason Crosby decides the night before quarantine, I'm just going to hang with you guys because I live in the middle of nowhere all by myself and I'd rather hang with you. So we start doing a daily live stream. And this goes on for 420 consecutive days. Oh, man. What? So it's Jason and me. And then as things opened up, we added people to it. To the point where Moon Alice probably did 10 of them. But we did all these versions of Doobie Decimal System. And it, it, we just did all these wild configurations. But it was every single day for a year and two months. So you were never bored during quarantine. No, I mean, quarantine was absolutely amazing, right? (laughs) What wound up happening was that we went from being a review where we slapped three bands together and kind of alternated songs, Mm -hmm. right? Kind of like a songwriter circle to we learned all this material that was everybody. That was just brand new Moon Alice. It was basically the style of the Chambers Brothers. So psychedelic soul. Which is just this incredible. It's what you heard at at uh, uh, oh at, Skull and Rose. It, it's like church. Yeah, and and the thing is, it 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 combines. You know what we were was a five piece jam band, right? And you throw five killer vocals on top of it, as you said, Apple. Two families. Yeah. So you have the family harmony, but with identical twins and their slightly older sister, which and they're angelic. And then you've got Lester, who is just the most soulful singer ever. And Dylan, who's just an extraordinary soul singer. And the five of them blend unbelievably. And we get to play all of this music that nobody else is doing. Oh, man. Think about it. Who else is? I mean, basically, you know, Psychedelic Soul had this beautiful period from 68 to 71 or 72. But then Sly took it into funk. Right? Yeah, right. And then, you know, then uh, George came along with Parliament Funkadelic and took it even more so. Right. <laughs> and so San, Fran- San Francisco went from being the home of kind of psychedelic soul to being uh, for sure the home of funk. Right. right. And, <laughs> and so and even the Chambers brothers moved to funk. Right. And so we kind of looked at it and said, well, we're going to just dial it back a little bit and do the psychedelic soul thing right up to the beginning of funk. And that that's going to be our sweet space. Oh. And we're going to find other stuff that nobody's playing anymore. So we're doing You're All I Need to Get By, right? Which is Marvin Gaye and right. Tammy Terrell. Except we're doing it with two men and three women. And Barry Sless on lead guitar and Jason Crosby on keys and Pete Sears on bass and John Molo on drums. And so it just, you know, it takes it to a really interesting place. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And and the original see, song was a monster hit, but our version of it adds something to it, which is really cool. Well, and seeing you all on stage is a it's a spectacle. Yes, it's it, a trip, right? It's oh, a total trip. It, it is so much going so on. There's so much energy coming from that stage. <laughs> and when we play locally, the babies are on stage. Oh, which is hilarious. <laughs> Four generations. So two of the T sisters had had COVID babies. And so okay. one of them is maybe 17 months old and the other is maybe 14 months old. And so the little girl and a little boy. And they got their hearing protectors on. Right. And they come on and they hang out on the stage and they walk around while people are playing. 
just like just like the old pictures of the dead at Winterland with the kids spinning on the stage. This is precisely my point. And yeah. nobody nobody did it to imitate anything. It right. just turns out that when mom is in the band and it's an afternoon show, what are you going to do? The kids are going to come up on stage and there's nothing and the point is from an audience point of view it's hilarious. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, it, it's it you know they because you, you have no idea what they're going to do. <laughs> well, Roger, I just have to say, what a beautiful thing to be able to have, like you said, at one point four generations, everyone's having a good time, no one's left out, and it's good soul funk music. It's it's feeding them. And the thing is, you know, Lester is in so many ways the story of. American rock music, right? Right. So he grew up in in a huge family on a sharecropping farm in Mississippi. I want to say that he had like seven brothers and four sisters, something like that. Okay. And, you know, huge family, big one room thing. And his parents decided to get out of Dodge and they went out to LA when he was like nine years old. And the brothers started singing in church and, you know, they, get signed to a label when they're in their late teens. And but wow. that's, that's the very beginning when everything's happening. Right. Right. So, you know, they write time has come today. I think in like 66 or something, they record it in 67. It comes out in 68 and it's a huge hit. They, you know, they start playing people get ready pretty much at the time it was written because Lester was super close to uh, the man who wrote it. And so, you know, they get going with that sound. And there isn't anybody who sounds like that. Started. No. And th- while COVID was going on, the incredible Quest Love mm. finds the archival video from the Harlem Culture Festival of 1969, right? Which was six consecutive Sundays in a park in Harlem. And it's the royalty of black music of 1969, right? So it's Stevie Wonder when he's 19 years old. Oh, wow. Right? And, and if you haven't seen this thing, it's on Hulu. It's the most amazing. Uh, no, it's, thing ever. Yeah, it's on, we've Summer seen it. Love. It's amazing. It, it's just unbelievable, right? It's Mahalia Jackson, right? Yeah. You know, it's Nina Simone. It's B.B. King. It's Sly at his absolute peak. Um, and, you know, but it opens with the Chambers Brothers. And then Lester sings the song over the ending credits. And that happens. And all of a sudden, there's all this attention focused on it. And people are reminded that psychedelic soul is a thing. Right. So as we come back out, you know, we go, you saw that movie. This is the guy. <laughs> and, wow. and, and, you know, it's. For all of us, you know, we could be a lot of different things as a band, right? We've got the skill to play a lot of things, but we have the privilege Mm. of being able to play behind Lester Chambers. Wow. And, and you, and you saying that. It's a magic carpet ride. Oh, and and, you know, when we first started doing it, it was like Lester's health was not good, but he gets younger every day. Day. Oh my God. I mean, the whole experience of being in a working band again has been magical for him. Medicine. Medicine for the soul. Well, but I mean, 
we always tell ourselves, right, that music is is medicine, right, and that it, it's healing. And with Lester, you can clearly see it. And you know, the challenge is that we have to be respectful of the fact that some of us are not young. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And COVID is really dangerous. Yeah. And you know, we all want to be done with it, but it's not done with us. And so we've had to ask our fans to be patient with us while we find a way because, you know, nobody wants to be at the show where Lester or Pete gets sick in a way they can't recover from. Right. No, absolutely yeah. no, not. And, and that's respecting, that's respecting them and the music and each other. And it, it is what it is. We can do this for a long time if everybody could stay healthy. Right. Yes. Right. We think that's the, that's the key thing. And the, so we've been live streaming everything. Right. So if, you know, the places you don't go, you still get to see it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, moonalice.com is an archive. It's not a normal website. It's got a landing page that looks like a normal website. But if you go into the archive, you can find any show we've ever played. Oh, wow. Okay. Posters for every show, right? We've got, you know, we're now up to 1,300. The next poster will be number 1,300. Oh, right on. Roger, (laughs) I got to ask you. Pretty cool. What was very cool. Very cool. (laughs) What was the beginning of this journey for you? Not Moon Alice, music. Oh, so I grew up in a huge family in upstate New York, outside of Albany. Okay. Uh, And I had much older brothers and sisters. And they were the perfect age for the (laughs) 60s. Me, I was a kid. Right. I turned 12 in 1968. But they were 8, 10, and 12 years older. Oh, wow. Perfect. And I'll never forget the Grateful Dead played in Troy, New York, I think in like 1968 and everybody went, I mean, you know, they were all (laughs) dead right in early and I'll never forget the story of my brother telling coming back from, from uh, college that his roommate who went on to become a very famous professional football player says, George, there's a new guy, guitar player doing his first U.S. tour. We're going to go and see him. Don't ask any questions. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I was going to, I was oh, going to guess yeah. that. <laughs> so my two older brothers b- both went to Woodstock, right? Because it wasn't that far from our, where we live. And so that kind of stuff was around the house all the time. I mean, I used to listen to Alice's Restaurant with my father every night. Listen, oh. Country Joe and the Fish, feel like I'm fixing a die rag. You know, that kind of music. My parents were, my father really liked that kind of music. And so it, it was, you know, for whatever reason, it was completely part of the scene. So that was the beginning. So I knew when I was 12 years old, I was going to San Francisco. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And in 1976, I had a girlfriend who was from the Bay Area. And so we went out and moved to the Bay Area in 1976. And the first thing I did was go to the poster mat, which was the, the poster store um, in North Beach in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, I wanted to learn about posters because I had a book that taught me about Stanley Mouse. And, <laughs> you know, uh, Wes Wilson, 
<laughs> and uh, Victor Moscoso. So. Rick Griffin. Rick Griffin. Yeah. And and I that's what I want. I went to my first Grateful Dead show in 1973. That was the next question. Watkins Glen, you know. Look it up. Still the greatest set list I ever saw. <laughs> I think we all feel like that about our first show. <laughs> and, well, no, but look at this one. This one is, I think. Okay. I'm not saying it's the greatest show you could ever have, but for 73, it's a really amazing set list. And they lit you up. Well, I was 17 years old and I was I was lit up when I arrived. <laughs> I got way more lit up. And um, it was... Yeah, it was a magical experience. And, you know, it's the Grateful Dead, the band, and the Almond Brothers. And I don't. <laughs> and I got, to see, I got to see the band a bunch more times, the Almonds a lot more times, but I saw the Grateful Dead a couple hundred more times. And, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, it was love at first sight. And, I know the feeling. And, yeah. And, you know, when you're, on, when you're on the East Coast, it was a different experience than when you're on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, you had more availability, particularly in the 80s, right? Uh, by the 80s, the Grateful Dead were, they were just playing a lot more shows in the East Coast. And, you know, if you were essentially positioned in the Northeast, you could go to 10 shows without having to sleep away from home. Yeah. Wow. So I, I had to take a, a moment to find the set list because I was very curious, I Roger. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it opened with the Bertha, Beat It Down the Line, Brown Eyed Women, Mexicali Blues, Into Box of Rain, here comes sunshine. Oh wow! Looks like rain. Road Jimmy, Jack Straw, Deal, and then a playing in the band set closer. And then we come to set two, which is Loose Lucy, Big River. He's gone into trucking. Nobody's fault but mine. El Paso, China Cat, Sunflower. I know you, writer. Stella Blue. Eyes of the World, Sugar Magnolia, and Sing Me Back Home. <laughs> they played their uh, everything. Hits. Yeah. Okay. So the only point I'm trying to make about th that set was that it, you know, I'm 17 years old. They've oh. got the prototype of the wall of sound up before it got really weird, right? Right. And Watkins Glen, they were doing the first experiment with time delay speakers, you know, uh -huh. into the right. and it worked and I was perfectly positioned. So it all looked and sounded great. <sighs> and, you know, it was, it, it just, it was a great introduction to a great scene. And the incredible thing was that, you know, I went to a couple hundred shows and I never went backstage. I didn't know anybody in the band because right. I was an East coast guy, but then I moved to the West coast permanently in 91. And, from that point forward, things changed. And after Jerry died, the band was trying to figure out how to support its very large family because it had 60-some-odd employees who were dependent on a tour they could no longer do. Mm -hmm. And in 99, or actually in 98, I got a call. Could I help out? And that was something else. The call actually comes from this guy who was like a real estate promoter. And I said, look, I, have, I don't know who you are. If Peter McQuaid from Grateful Dead Productions calls me, I will talk to you. But I'm not just going to talk to you because you say you're working on a project for the Grateful Dead. Anyway, Peter calls me and says, yeah, you should talk to this guy. And I go, I don't know anything about real estate. He goes, fine, talk to me anyway. Anyway, I go in, I meet with the band. And I had met Bobby once at some charity event, but I had never met any of the rest of them. And I'm at a board meeting. And they asked me what I think. And I go, dude, I know nothing 
<laughs> about real estate. But I can tell you something. Dead.net, the thing where you're doing commerce directly with your fans, that is the future. And every band's going to want it. All you have to do is create a, a version of it that allow other bands to service their fans the same way. And then we'll federate it. And so I spent three years working on that idea with them. And, you know, I had two rules. I would never be involved in anything that resulted in the sale of the vault. Okay. That was national treasure. That's sacred. If they ever disagreed about the strategy, I was going to walk away. And in the end, they decided they 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 got crosswise on the strategy, and I just went, no problem. I'm yeah, because <laughs> I, I was first, last, and always a fan, right? Yeah. And uh, but that was an amazing experience, right? And then you know you roll the clock forward, so a bunch of incarnations are happening in between, you know, and um, uh, because of that, when Bobby and Mickey did political events initially for Bill Clinton, and then for Al Gore, and then for uh, uh, Carrie and some other politicians, they would invite my old band, the Flying Other Brothers, to, to be their band while they were the front. And so I guess we did probably 10 or 12 shows with them. Oh, man. Which, I and mean, we played for Bill Clinton. What? When he was president of the United States. What? Congratulations. I, I what heard. a high to be on. It was wild, right? It was wild. And Didn't so he join you on time. stage? And while I'm doing this, right, Bono hears about what I'm doing for Grateful Dead. And so he wants to meet me. And so he goes through his contact at, in the Treasury Department, a woman named Cheryl Sandberg, a name that would come back to play a role in my oh, life. Oh, wow. yeah. And says, I've got to find this guy. And so she introduces me to Bono. And Bono wants to learn all about this. And, of course, that leads to my investment fund elevation, which leads to Moon Owls eventually playing a gig with you two in what? the football stadium in Oakland. <laughs> that was that was in the in the version two area. So we had most. what year is this, Roger? Uh, I want to say that was twenty twelve, maybe. Okay, okay, just kind of getting a timeline. Yeah, and so so I've had these wild musical adventures, right? And you know, I mean. Moon Alice has played several gigs with with Yorma Kalkin and well Jack Cassidy initially, and then we've backed Yorma up a couple of times. Like we backed him up one year at at Lockin, which was a trip, and so he's had us play at the ranch a whole bunch of times. Wow! And of course, he's taught me a ton of guitar. I mean, mm. he you know he and Jerry were pretty much my idols musically. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were a lot of other guitar players who influenced me, but in terms of wanting to to be a guitar player, but the, you know. I what? wanted to play hesitation blues, right? Like everybody else. I'm going, this is going to take me my whole life to learn this song. And it turns out that was true. <laughs> what, what do you think, Roger? The I've asked a lot of people this question. And um, I've asked myself this question for over 30 years. And uh, I just am curious what your take is in, on it. What was it about Jerry that made us feel like we were experiencing him sing to us. So I have, let me tell you about my one personal encounter with Jerry, which I think encapsulates the whole thing. Okay, great. It's 1975. I'm working for my school newspaper and the Jerry band 
is coming to play in our town. So I tell the editor, I'm going to go and do an interview of Jerry Garcia and write up the show. And I persuade a cartoonist to make this really cool cartoon of Jerry that's going to go with the story. So I go for sound check because I'm interviewing between sound check and the show. So I actually get to watch a sound check. And this is the era of, uh, you know, where the Jerry band, so it's 75 and uh, oh, wow. Nikki, Nikki Hopkins is playing piano. And Nikki in those days was a little worse for wear. Okay. And the result was sound check started way late and it ran really long. And it's super obvious to me, like sound check ends 45 minutes before doors. And so there's like no time doing anything. And they, big Steve Parrish and Jerry come off the stage and they come up to me and go, Steve goes, I'm really sorry, Roger. We just, we have to go eat dinner because there's just no time. So, so why don't you just say hi to Jerry and then we'll be. So here's the entire, and this is verbatim, my interview of Jerry Garcia. <laughs> you ready? Uh-huh. Yes. I go, hey. And he goes, hey. That was the whole interview. That was it. Perfect. <laughs> I felt like I was in the presence of Buddha, right? Oh. And, you know, it, but that thing you're describing, I mean, I know exactly that. And, You know, I was at the show in Washington, D.C. with uh, when Dylan was playing with uh, Tom Petty and Art Breakers, mm-hmm. where Jerry had the first, you know, when the diabetic coma, the pre-symptoms kicked in. And, you know, they were all the show. I want to say the second set was like 20 minutes long. He was in terrible shape. And my brother came out of that show gone. Every show we go to from now on, we got to assume it's the last one. And the thing that was really interesting is that there were nights when Jerry didn't have that thing, but there were so many when he did Mm -hmm. that you kind of, it it kind of made the ones where he didn't totally okay. Right. Because it showed he was human. Right. And, uh, you know, like I was a Telluride when he was having problems with the with the altitude, right? It was like 10,000 feet. And they get to the end of the show and they're trying to do broke down. And he starts with the verse instead of the that intro bit. So he's, he's singing the wrong words on the wrong part of the song. And they had to stop. Oh, shit. And they do a restart. To my knowledge, the only time that ever happened. Oh, wow. And, and we're all looking at each other going, huh? So this is like a year after the Tom Petty thing. And we're going, everyone counts. Ooh. Right? That's kind of chilling. Seven, you know, it's still seven years before the end. God. Oh, my God. It's, it's, well, nothing happens uh, right away. I mean, you, we don't see the effects. It's, you know, happening slowly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, he was battling demons, right? Yes. And, you know, and the thing is, that's real life. I mean, all of us, all of us have the battles we're in yeah. true and you know we're just trying to make the best i mean what covid has really done is to create battles that we all have to fight that are the same battle right before that we all had our own thing yeah. but covid's added this thing that we all share and i think 
I think Trump did the same thing, right? You know, my battle against Facebook is the same basic problem. It's, it's a thing that we all share. We may not all appreciate it the same way. We may not all feel as strongly about it. But I think the thing that defines the moment that we live in now, as opposed to 1995, is that there are these huge issues yeah. that we're collectively facing. I and mean, when I talk about COVID, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's not some abstract idea. Yeah, no. Not at all. Say to you, we play 420 consecutive shows, and your immediate reaction was, wow, you had an interesting quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very true. Very true. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the truth was, if you watch those live streams, they started out on an iPhone. Right. Same, same with us. After about a month, we realized we were stuck doing this for a while. So we shipped up a robotic camera, which, you know, we would normally take with us on the road. And the robotic camera just sat there so that... Our video guy who lives in San Diego could put on the shows. Yeah. And so the quality went way up. And, you know, we started putting it through a mix board. I mean, the beginning ones were so primitive. And, you know. Hey. You know. Hey, that sounds like. It sounds that's a, that's just like honest, us. It's an honest start. That's how, that's how when we started out, when, when March happened, uh, you know, we were like, uh, we're a live music podcast. What what are we going to do? Like, kind of like a band almost. Like, what are we? Totally. It turned into a great thing because all of a sudden all the musicians were at home and they were bored and they were figuring things out themselves. So it was it very was easy. Did you ever watch any of Richard Thompson's things? No. no. Did a thing from home. And I assume they're still on. I haven't looked around for a while, but absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it just, I mean, Richard Thompson's unbelievable, but, <laughs> but it was so intimate. Hmm. I mean, you really had the impression he was right there in your room. Well, I think that whole experience did something for us, too, in that um, not that live streaming wasn't a viable source for entertainment prior, but once quarantine happened, we were all there. That was our live music fix. And I, I think you're probably the, one of the, few people that we've spoken to that can give like a educated answer to this question is like that intersection of technology and music and where you think it's going. So what was wild about quarantine was that we know of at least four people who saw all 420 shows. Whoa. Wow. We know of now they didn't see all of them necessarily live but they saw them all kind of within a day, right? Because we would leave them up, right? And um, there are at least another 50 people who saw between 250 and 350. Wow. I mean, it became a day, you know what I'm saying? We, it was, yeah. a, the thing you're describing was that sense of community. Community, and yeah. really big change was when we figured out we could add chat mm. to, the, to the Moon Alice website. Because we were so mad at Facebook, we decided we we're going to go off of Facebook. So we had to add chat in order to let people commune. And it changed everything. Yeah. Because that was the big advantage being on Facebook was that people could chat while they were watching. Right. And, and, uh, and so, you know, we went through the whole stop hate for profit and getting off of Facebook. What was the straw that broke the camel's back with Facebook? Okay, clear. You know, 
I was involved in Facebook in its very early days. And I was yeah. advised Mark Zuckerberg when he was 22 years old and for three years after that. So this is in the prehistory of the company. And in 2016, you know, I had stopped being involved in 2009. So seven years later, okay, I'm just on Facebook because, you know, I used it a lot. And I started to notice hate speech targeted Hillary Clinton coming out of Facebook groups that were notionally associated with Bernie Sanders. But what was weird about it was that people were spending money to promote this hate speech. I'm going, why would somebody do that? That's really weird. And then I saw like a couple months later, a group on Facebook was using the ad tools to collect personal identifying information about anyone who expressed an interest in Black Lives Matter. And they were selling that information to police departments. So people got harassed. And then Brexit Brexit happens in June of 2016. And that was when I realized, oh, my God, you can use the ad tools of Facebook to undermine an election. And so I gathered a lot of information. I went to Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg in October of 2016. So 10 days before the U.S. election. And I sent them a memo and I said, I think there's something about the culture the business model and the algorithms of Facebook that are allowing bad actors to undermine democracy and violate the civil rights of innocent people. And I'm going, I don't think you want to be doing that. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's definitely. I said, you're... this is like what happened to Johnson and Johnson when that dude put poison in bottles of Tylenol in Chicago and killed a few people. It's like, you're supposed to stop everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Clean up the problem. Yeah. I mean, a recall. And my thought was look, I had once been their mentor. I wasn't expecting him to roll over, but I was expecting him to at least take it seriously. And I spent months begging him, but they didn't take it seriously. And so I became an activist. In, and so by the time COVID came along, I'd been an activist for a long time. But if you're a band, you don't have a choice. You cannot run a band in America today without or a podcast. Right. You just can't do it. And, you know, I took myself off of, but you can't take the band off it. It just we have 400,000 fans on Facebook and incredibly highly engaged fans. And so, you know, we were stuck with that. And but what we did do was when Stop Hate for Profit happened in, in after George Floyd's murder, we joined the small rebellion that took place then and stopped broadcasting on Facebook. Oh, okay. Mm. And it was, I mean, it (laughs) was not particularly well received, but it was, (laughs) but people actually understood. I mean, we went on and explained it and Lester and Dylan went on and they did a thing that we left on our homepage for over a year where they described what it was like to be black band in America. Oh, wow. With the George Floyd thing, because we have a mostly white audience. And we thought, you know, maybe you will understand this the way we do if you understand it from the same sources we understand it from. Right. And and so, you know, that got everybody totally supportive. And that, you know, that was like day two. And um, (laughs) and, you know, it worked out great. And, you know, it's. This is the world we live in. Technology 
has so much influence on our culture, right. on our politics, that on our music, you cannot escape it. And the question is, can you find a way to coexist? Mm. What we're doing now is we are using technology to establish the relationships and maintain the relationships that we would normally do with a 75 to 125 show a year touring schedule. Right. Tempting to do that. And that's a, a bunch of things. So for the first time, we have a record label. We got signed to a label called Network uh, in Vancouver. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Last year. And we have now released uh, the first seven songs, the first EP. We're working our way through to the second EP and building audiences on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Amazon, on all the other platforms. And we're asking our fans to humor us on this. And to embrace streaming for now, because <clears throat> if we're successful with streaming, it's going to make a huge difference to what we can. <clears throat> and, you know, most people have some streaming service. And so what we're saying is, Hey, look, we're going to put stuff up there. And if you don't mind, play the game with us mm. and, you know, we'll keep streaming shows for free. Mm -hmm. We're just asking you to, stream our music on these services and people have been doing that and so we're going from a tiny base but we're building the things as we're supposed to do and it takes a while it'll take us at least another year to get to the real scale but that's okay well what i mean what does that look like as far as like i know that it's 420 somewhere has like how many million downloads direct 4.6 million but that was from our website right you know that was that was obviously Hard, that's hard to reproduce. Right. <laughs> I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has the, a place in its archive for that song because no other band ever had more than 100,000. How how did that, is that a just a fluke? What, what? That's a testament to cannabis. <laughs> the answer is, of course, it's a fluke. I mean, a, a, bunch of, a bunch of things converged. We found, a, we created an ad in the early days on Facebook which we left up for four years. Oh, okay. And the ad um, was essentially grandfathered because it, 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 it simplified the process of the downloading really dramatically. And so people got the song very easily. And, um, and so we left it up for a long time. And the, uh, but the thing that happened was each year, around April 1st, the downloads would spike. And so mm -hmm. we would do half a million downloads in the month of April each year. <laughs> and then you do another half million over the course of the rest of the year. That really is a testimony to cannabis. Yeah. Well, and technology too. Hang on. This band's first gig was a medical marijuana benefit. <laughs> all in San Francisco in 2007 when I will tell you the politics of legalized cannabis were not the same as they are today yeah. and um, it you know it was us the mermen uh, and uh, Lydia Pence and cold blood it was wild and uh, yeah so this band was incubated <laughs> Wow the medical marijuana liberation movement 
And so we wrote this song. And in fact, I mean, the thing, we, we, we don't make a big deal out of this, but Anne wrote the song with Bono. And, oh. and so it, it's like this little unknown thing about it that it has. Uh, wow. Roger, you, you, sir, are um, an enigma and an inspiration. Well, I'm certainly weird. Yeah, for real, man. Like, and in the best kind of way, too. Yeah. You're, you know, a lot yeah. of people would, if you say the word like deadhead or musician, they think, you know, a guy sucking nitrous out of a balloon with dreadlocks or, you know, whatever. Well, but that, that's because they don't know. Right. One of the things, so when the day that Jerry died was also the day that Netscape, the guys who did the first popular web browser. I remember it. It went public in one of the highest profile initial public offerings in America. And because of my job at Silicon Valley, John Markoff, the technology reporter for the New York Times, calls me up to do, to get a quote about the IPO. We spent 30 seconds on that. And he goes, okay, now let's talk about Jerry. And we spent an hour talking about Jerry. We are everywhere. John Markoff, New York Times tech reporter par excellence, had grown up in the Bay Area, was a huge deadhead. As, mm. And so he winds up writing the story. And he, I get quoted in it alongside the governor of Massachusetts, Bob Dylan. Whoa. Uh, the senior senator from Vermont. Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm going to say the first six or seven times yeah. that I met Nancy Pelosi, it was backstage at either some Grateful Dead related thing post Jerry or a U2, U2 thing. What? Because she's way into that kind of music. And, wow. And that's the thing. The Dead, the Dead had a mostly white audience. Right. But it was very independent of career and economic stratus. Yeah. yeah. And well, and, and uh, think about Ursay who bought the, the Jerry guitar, right? I mean, you know, owner of a football team and uh, you know, they're the dead always had, I mean, one of the things that I figured out because I worked in the investment world, you know, I would, when I was back East, I'd like to go to shows at say Madison square garden. Right. There's a brand new box set coming out of a bunch of shows from the early 80s in Madison Square Garden. And those were incredible shows. Early Brent years were great years. Oh, yeah. And I always wondered, like, who's sitting up front? And it turned out that the front five rows were always whichever investment bank was doing business with the guys who owned Madison Square Garden. Oh. So some years would be Morgan Stanley. Some years it would be Goldman Sachs. If you want to sit up close, you had to know somebody to invest back. Now, you know, I wasn't nearly popular enough to acquire, to, you know, qualify for that. Right. But when they played at MSG, the front five rows were really rich people. Wow. Not okay. because they were paying, not because they were paying that way. It was because they were paying some other way. In a bank. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of seeing shows in Vegas where people would get tickets from their hosts. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and the thing is, that's kind of the way it was, right? Right. Whereas if you went on either side of it, like, you know, if you go to the Spectrum or to Hartford or New Haven or Albany, or Boston or Cap Center in D.C. Oh, yeah. You know, 
it'd be totally different. But you go to the Cap Center, you'd have all these politicians there. The Cap Center mm-hmm. was my first when I my first show was in February of '89. In '90 and '91, I went on tour. And February of '89. Yeah, I was for sure at that show at the LA Forum. February twelfth, nineteen eighty nine. They opened with "Feel Like a Stranger," and I was done. Um, but I went on tour, and the Cap was the first East Coast show I ever saw. We drove this seventy one school bus across the country to make it to the Cap Center in Landover. Okay, so so Cap Center was great, right? If, if for folks who've never been there, so it's a basketball hockey arena, right? Right. But they figured out before anybody else did that concerts were going to be a huge deal and that the bathrooms in were, you know, they didn't have enough ladies rooms. So they invented something called big John. And at each end on one end, it was the ladies room. The other end was a men's room. They have, they built this extra giant room outside the thing. that was nothing but toilets. And I want to say, what was it? 50 urinals in the men's one. And I have no idea how many stalls in the women's one, but the result was the cap center was I mean, as long as you're willing to walk to your gender bathrooms, you had, you know, a place where you didn't have to stand in line, which is pretty fucking unique. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite driving story, uh, 1980, they were playing at uh, uh, at the uh, the place on Long Island um, uh, in Uniondale. Uh, 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 the, you know, where the, the nets and the... the uh, yeah, I can't think of the name of it right now. I'm, I'm drawing a bike on it too. But the uh, so I'm going from Connecticut down there, and I'm driving the van that my band used to move its gear around. And so it's an empty Econoline van. So there's no <laughs> seats except for the front two. Okay. And it's raining, which doesn't really do it justice. It's raining at the rate of about one inch an hour. Oh my god. It's Oregon raining. I got gotcha. you. I mean, it is coming down like nobody's business. And at the end of the show, I'm with eight other people who are in the back of the van and they're all tripping their brains out. We drive home without any help in this ridiculous downpour. Because in those days, for whatever reason, no matter what, because I didn't drink at all, right. I was always the designated driver. <laughs> and I'm driving this. It must have been at least a 15-year-old and really beaten up a kind of line van. And there's all these people sitting in the back, and they're like not helping at all. <laughs> I can't see. I mean, it's literally sheets of water on the windshield. And uh, it, it was wild. You made it home. Okay. You, you share. We made it home fine. And and the thing is, that's how tour always was, right? I, I, I mean, You shared one. I'm going to share one with you. So we're at Shoreline. Same school bus that more, uh, this said to be 90, 91. Okay. Uh, the 90 shows the shoreline that they put at them out as a set. That was, yeah, yeah. Those were fine. Music. Good stuff, man. So everybody's tripping. The, but when we got there, the brakes on the bus weren't working very well. This is a 35 foot blue international school bus, 71 international school. bus. So we leave after the show. We're all, out of our minds and we're going to go up to San Francisco and we have a friend that has a place where we could park the bus overnight. And 
I first time ever driving the school bus in San Francisco. And it was when they were doing construction on the 101 and you had to go get off the 101 to get in and go through the city and then get back on the freeway. And I get off the freeway and go to hit the brakes and they go to the floor all the way down and not the bus isn't stopping. And so I have another guy named Aaron. So it's Aaron and Aaron and he's sitting on a toolbox next to me by the driver's seat. I'm driving and I would go pull it and he would pull the emergency brake and the bus would go and we'd stop the stop sign. Next one, pull it. (laughs) So same, we made it. That I, I, I tried to stop short of, of that experience, but <laughs> I, 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 it, you know, the, the, that was the thing, right? I mean, I got to see the dead in, I don't know, probably 25 or 30 different states in the United States. Right. Got to see them in a lot of different settings. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was an amazing thing. And then to get to know them later mm-hmm. on and then to spend 10 years with big Steve Parrish, in Moon Owls, you know, emceeing our shows and him working on the pattern that became his Sirius XM show. And, uh, um, you know, that whole thing allowed, you know, that, that put a beautiful, uh, exclamation point on my years of being ahead. Right? I mean, you know, well, I'll give you an example. So when fairly well comes along, um, I'm initially very suspicious because I just didn't think it was possible to recapture the scene. How do you get all the old folks to come back? It just didn't seem likely. Right. Particularly doing it in Chicago. But Pete Shapiro, who put it on, very close friend. So I call him like, Pete, I don't think this is going to work. You know, everybody come to Chicago. They got to buy their tickets from Ticketmaster. I mean, this whole thing is a pooch screen. He goes, well, what if I did a couple of shows in the Bay Area? I go, great. And what if you sold all the tickets through mail order service? He goes, that's a really good idea. Let's do that. So he goes and organizes the, the two early shows in Santa Clara. And he buys out Ticketmaster so the dead can sell all the tickets. So now all of a sudden, the old guard all can be there. It was so good. Right. And now we had a gig. We were playing at Sweetwater the first night as the, uh, you know, opening act to the live stream of the show. And so we didn't get to go the first night, but we went the second night and it was magical. Powerful. Basically, you know, Bill Walton calls up and he goes, I need you to meet me there. I'm going, you're kidding. I'm going to go to a Grateful Dead show with Bill Walton. Bill Walton? Okay. Hard to top that. So Bill's got all these things for all of us. And we're going and hanging out in the friends and family section by the soundboard on the floor. Right. Remember, this is a giant football arena that's just opened up. And they don't yet have the rules for concerts. I think it might have either been the first or second concert there. So it's like zero security. I mean, everything was a piece of cake. They parked everybody on a golf course right next to it. It couldn't have been easier. Okay. Everything <laughs> since then has been a nightmare. But that show was <laughs> It was classic Grateful Dead thing. Everything worked out great. And we get there. And John Kadlicek, mm-hmm. Stu Allen, uh, Barry Slass, uh, Lebo, uh, Scott Law, 
we're all there together. So I'm literally watching the show with five guys who make their living oh. playing jury parts, right? And we're literally all sitting there together. And, and you know, um, it, it's unbelievable. And Mountain Girl comes up to me because I, I know her from Rex Foundation and these other things. And she goes, you got to get Big Steve to come up. I'm going, Big Steve is not coming up. You got to bring him to Chicago. I'm going, he is not. He's told us he's not going. He goes, Roger, you have to do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make it work for him. You so Big Steve do something. So, so hang on. <laughs> this, is, this is Saturday night. The show, it, the following Friday, we're also playing in at Sweetwater to, for the opening of the Chicago one. So we can only go for the Saturday and Sunday. And we don't have tickets. We don't have hotel rooms. So Mountain Girl, Carol Hart, Mickey's wife, and Bill Walton say, we'll take care of all of you. We have tickets, wristbands, passes, everything. You just need a hotel and you need airplanes. So we're literally <laughs> at getting going to the car. I'm getting airplane reservations <laughs> and hotels. And incredibly, we get the Hilton, which is one of the really close hotels. Yeah. We get everything for Big Steve and we drag him to Chicago. And there's a guy with a massive nitrous tank and giant black balloons literally in the front of the hotel. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Big Steve gets the nitrous balloon on the way in. And he's like, definitely not going. <laughs> the first, the Saturday, he won't go. And we're going, Steve, you got to go. They've got your seat on the stage. It's ready to go. You're going to be the star of the show. You got to come. And so the next day, we drag him to the stadium. I mean, literally drag him. And he, he, he gone, I have never gone in the front way. Paul, Carol, and Mountain Girl, and they come out, retrieve us, and they bring us to the back of the stadium. And we literally sneak in through this locked up thing that had been part of how the gear went in mm -hmm. but behind the stage because Steve will not go in with a ticket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we get in there, and, and um, Robbie Taylor meets us by the stage, takes Steve on there, and literally they brought a chair that's like the chair he would have sat in and they parked it there and said, wow. it's your stage. And we go out to our place. And of course, you know, those shows were, we were there. Yeah. yeah those were a spiritual thing. And oh, yeah. you know, I, I, after, after the first dead and company show in Albany, New York, I, I had done a live stream of the second set. And they sold 10,000 tickets for the New York shows, like over the next 24 hours. Wow. So that those shows went from not sold out to sold out. And I don't know how much my video helped that, but it wasn't zero because it got, I mean, it got shared everywhere. Wow. And so they invited me to come to New York and film the second one from the stage because they realized that live stream was going to doing it i'm just doing it off the moon owls page right right the moon owls page has these the first two dead and company shows oh my, oh god. my gosh and they you know we start out by doing an actual aj gives us a tour of the stage 
each person's position. We show their gear and all that stuff before the concert begins and all this is going out and, you know, and, uh, and the thing about it that was so amazing was that I, I say to weird the John Mayer is so into this. He's so well prepared. And, and weird goes, you know, I always felt terrible for Trey because one of the guys in the band didn't want to rehearse. One of the guys in the band saw it as an encore, which was completely legitimate, right? We're just going to say farewell, right? Fairly Fair. well, that was the point. And he said, but the rest of us were sitting there going, we really want to keep going. Right. They kind of saw it as like the beginning of something. Yep, and that definitely. was cool too. Both of those things were fine. Yeah. And, but the difference was that Trey had to learn a hundred songs and he had like eight or 10 hours of rehearsal. That's it which is not enough. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and so he was basically winging it. And, you know, there were some songs where that was pretty obvious, but I, he's such a magical guitar player. You know, he, he carried it off. That those shows made me, I was, you see behind us, big fish <laughs> thing right here. I was never a fish fan until fairly well. Those shows made me fall in love with Trey. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. And, and the thing is, it, fish is a different thing. Oh, totally. It, but it's a real thing, and it's, you know, it's really easy to understand why people love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm much more into the electric folk thing of the Grateful Dead, but, but I totally get why people love fish, and you know, totally respect their scene, right? And uh, been to they, a lot of shows. They got it going on, man. That's for sure. Yeah, they, they do. And and you know, but the thing that was so interesting about this was that. You know, I went to a couple of the Dead & Company rehearsals and I mean, I heard John Mayer do that last little bit of playing in the band, you know, right before it goes bump, 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 back into the last chorus. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, so you're coming out of the solo and then there's this thing. I probably heard him run that one phrase 25 times in a row until he had it absolutely right. Until he had the tone perfect. He's a scholar. He's a he's a scholar. He, he is deeply committed, yeah. mm -hmm. and so respectful. I mean, that's the thing, right? And what they're doing right now is so good too. And the set list—you look at them. I mean, Jesus, there was a second set the other night that uh, I was looking at, it just going, "Oh my God, this is incredible!" and you know, the great thing about Dead & Company, I really, I have enormous respect, is any song can show up anywhere in the set. You know, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Time, right? If you didn't get Deal at the end of the first set, you weren't going to get it, right? Right. <laughs> they played it in the middle of the second set. And it was like, oh, that's cool, right? Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it used to be Bertha was either first or you never heard it. And, right. you know. Hey, it threw the rules away. Yeah. And, and that's important. I mean, that's, that's, this music is about throwing the rules away. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, things that were always coupled sometimes get decoupled now. Right. <laughs> and sometimes that's a good thing. That's how we end up with new shit. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay to play Scarlet without playing fire. Yeah. Right. For sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it, that's, that's all cool things. Yeah, man. The thing is, you know, Moon Alice has had this long thing around that world because John Molo was the drummer. He was in the other ones. Right. Right. 
And um, he was in Phyllis and Friends, like the Q, which is kind of the canonical version of that. Right. And all the early versions of so the ones, with, you know, with Trey and, and all that. Oh, that stuff is so good. You know, and then Barry Slest played uh, uh, in Kingfish originally and then Phyllis and Friends. And now he plays with Bob Weir in, in uh, Wolf Brothers. Um I mean, Pete Sears was a neighbor and close friend of Jerry, played a lot of shows with Jerry. Um, you know, and so, and Jason Crosby still plays with Phil. I mean, right now he's out with Jackson Brown, but, you know, he played with Phil too. And so there's, that stuff is pretty deeply in our thing. So right. in our repertoire, you know, we do our own arrangements of several Grateful Dead songs. And the ones we do are really surprising to people, right? Because, we do a bird song, but it's the T sisters singing. And you just never heard a bird song like this because the harmonies are so perfect. Mm. We do a, I think of a, a version of uncle John's band. I'm really proud of. We do a version of addicts, right? Cause again, if you got those kind of vocals, yeah, those harmonies, you know, and Dylan Chambers does a killer hard to handle. Mm. Oh. And you know, and it's, it's like, the music lives on and it lives on. I mean, what are there? Hundreds and hundreds of dead tribute bands, right? I mean, Skull and Roses was like, you know, that was so fun. Hoping somebody would keep track, a set list of the whole thing so you could see which oh song. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be great. <laughs> As of Saturday, I heard Casey Jones was was pushing Casey Jones and Truckin were the two songs that had shown up the most. Oh. I don't know. Cats Under the Stars. That was a yeah. lot. <laughs> You know, the point here is that that the scene lives on in a lot of forever. Oh, yeah. Yep. It And, you know, I think for any of us who are there. Certainly. By the late 70s, you realize there was something going on that was going to last a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, when Jerry died, it wasn't at all clear what was going to happen with it. But remember, both Dark Star Orchestra and Cubensis we're already playing Grateful Dead tributes before Jerry died. Right. You know, it, the it things really, that followed, it, you know, in it, some ways those bands seemed more authentic for a while than the official bands. And then, <laughs> right. It, it really did start something with fairly well though, Roger. Like I feel like, I feel like whatever was conjured, whatever energy was brought in on that day or those days was released out and it started a a renaissance that is the current jam band scene well and I, let, let me ask you whether this happened to you i ran into in uh santa clara i probably ran into 30 or 40 people that i had not seen since my last dead show i had a different experience i ran into a bunch of heads that i had met because of fare thee well okay yeah well that's cool too yeah for me it was it was wild all these people i hadn't seen since the reunion family reunion it was a reunion and yeah. that was the thing that at least in my experience was not part of further in the dead correct that that they had actually a much younger audience which in retrospect was a great thing Right. Right. Same with Dead and Company. They brought a ton of new people in. Right. And, you know, uh, 
and he went fairly well. And honest to God, in Santa Clara on the floor, the average age, I was probably pretty close to it. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Because it was, you know, because it went through Grateful Dead ticketing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anybody who was in the database got the first cut. Yeah. I, I, I stressed, I drew a beautiful envelope and did the whole thing and stressed and waited and checked the mail. And yeah, I was one of the few people in our whole friend circle that actually got tickets to the show. And they got his envelope in the Chicago Museum of Natural History, how they had that whole display of the field museum and was weeping. We're like, there's your envelope, dude. Oh my God. And they, man. Yeah. I got to say to the one thing from the fairly well, uh, I think we all felt that because, because I was, I was iffy about going to Chicago, iffy about what it was going to be like and everything. And that feeling Chicago rolled out the red carpet. First of all, oh, they, it was great. They made it so hospitable. All the pizza places did the steelies. Our hotel, they were playing grateful it, dead over the PA and the lobby yeah. and they poster <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Everybody. The employees all had tie-dye Grateful, uh, Grateful Dead shirts on. Well, and then like they they lit up all the buildings. They had the the laser shows on the buildings. I had been to shows. I had been to a bunch of shows in Chicago though, and including at Soldier Field. I mean, Soldier Field is you know those old you know stadiums, right? The oh yeah. the football stadiums. You know, there is something special like JFK in uh, in Philadelphia. And, you know, the Rose Bowl and, and the you know, concerts in those places just sound great. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. They were made. Watson Stadium in, in, in Eugene. Mm-hmm. It's oh, amazing. That was yeah. one. That's the best Dead and well, Company show the, I've ever seen. The one last thing that'll live with me, I think all of us that were there, is walking out that night when 75,000 people are pouring out into, into the, park. the park and into the city. Yeah. And chanting. Yeah. Not fade away like just chanting and then you had the drummers out there in the tunnels and i mean it, it was just like the good old days okay? yes that's what me i was right. like i, I mean the, think I, this you know exist again. It, until it got weird in 94 right you know st louis and all the the weird stuff that happened in 94 right but before that you know you could bring as many people as you wanted to a grateful dead show and never have a problem nope no i never saw one act of violence i never saw any thing that bad I, well that that's what we somebody asked me to explain why veggie burritos and i said it's really simple they don't spoil spoil totally and yeah. the great the dead heads are looking out for the the other heads right we're not going to sell you something that's going to make you sick yeah that's right and this everybody goes, oh, that makes so much sense but you know <laughs> If you don't know the Grateful Dead scene, you don't appreciate why that matters. Well, and this is one thing. I was driving uh, home today and I thought about this. There's Grateful Dead and and people giving away tickets. That is one of the only bands I have ever heard of. The actual people give away tickets so that a friend or a partner or whoever can come. Don't pay me back. Just here's a ticket. Where? I, I was I was handed a ticket in Philadelphia in the front row. So look at that! See? Yeah, you got miracle the front row ticket, man. Come on! I got miracle. I only sat in the front row twice, and one one of them was a miracle, and the other was a fluke. Oh wow! <laughs> well, <laughs> you have flukes quite a lot, so I'm thinking yeah. that you're a little lucky. Yeah, but I, I, trust me, if you knew my full biography, I've got plenty of things to compensate. For. Okay, <laughs> Roger, I make wanna... us feel better. Give us at least one. <laughs> I just. 
I want to. I wrote, I wrote a book about this, which will tell you I've had serious health problems in my life, and Aww. so you know, no, no, it's it. it, yeah. it, well, it look, all I mean, you look great. amazing, and you. Well, you I, I try great. very. I I try very hard to 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 you know live well so that uh, I yeah. can enjoy what I have. Well, yeah. you just well, have such a good energy about you, Roger. Like I, you're, yeah. you're just jovial. Like you're even you're and excited. Well, and the thing is, you saw us at Skull Roses. I, I'm in a band of really positive people, right? Yeah. And our whole mantra is from the Chambers Brothers song, "Love, Peace, and Happiness." Right? Oh, because right on. We're all on a journey, and this is such a difficult time. There's so many things that are less than we would like them to be. So sure. many things are harder than we would like them to be. And, you know, we're dependent on each other. Absolutely. Because none of us is strong enough to get through the sun our own. And so the thing you can do with music and the thing we can do with Moon Owls is to set an example, to go and sit there and say, look, this is a way to do it. Maybe you like our music, maybe you don't. But look at what we're trying to do here. So we just played at Oregon Country Fair. I wore my mask the whole time. Why did I do that? I didn't have any singing parts. And I wanted to signal to the audience, you know what? I'm playing with two people who are immune compromised. And I'm right next to one of them. I'm going to wear a mask so you know that I'm looking out for my I'm taking care of my family. Mm. Yeah. I'm with you, man. And, and, and the thing is, it's not an imposition on me. I don't feel like it's a problem. I think it's important. And I think it's worth it. And, you know, we try to be super open with our fans. We, we, we take their opinion constantly about whether we should do this or that. Mm-hmm. And what's been really interesting is that when we said to them, we really don't think we can play indoors. The reaction was uniformly, we're with you. And, wow. um, and you know, it's hard to be a band when you can't play indoors. It's a lot easier for you in California. Yeah, Sure. The weather's right. It, it, it's hard. And, but the reality is, you know, Lester Chambers and Pete Sears, they're national treasure. Yeah, man. Yes. Let's keep them healthy and vibrant. Yeah, yeah man. I'm with you. two little tiny babies and they're treasures too. And yeah. Folks yeah. and the crew and they're treasures. And so, you know, it's like we don't want to play indoors because we don't want our audience to get sick. And yeah. I got to tell you, I don't know if this is true in Portland, but in San Francisco, every indoor show is a super spreader event right now. And it's um, like, where did it, we recently go? Wait, um, I haven't heard it a lot up here, but all the shows we go to, it, it's nobody's wearing masks indoors. Well, that's the problem. And, and so it, you know, tons of people we, are getting it. And was, among our friends in the musician world, it's like everybody's sick all the time. And yeah, we got to, like you said earlier, we, we all got to figure out a way to, because none of us want this to go away again. We got to figure out a way to sustain it and to keep. The trick, I think, healthy. is I say, is to look out for each other, right? Yeah, man. And, and recognize that actually this thing is really serious. They don't really know what the long-term effects are. Of no. The, no. Right? And clearly some people are getting this long version of COVID that's a huge problem. And, you know, my basic point is, you know, we're here to bring people together. Right on. Here, love, peace, and happiness. And right now, that also means love, peace, and happiness, and taking care of our neighbors. Hey, Amen. Yes. I'm with you 100. That's on the that. kind thing, yeah, you know. Be kind, be conscious, and kind, and that's 
I that's mean, the notion at. that we cannot share a doobie is something <laughs> that in our particular tribe came as a serious setback. <laughs> Fortunately, we live in California where supply is not a problem. No, no <laughs> yes. Oregon. As a consequence, you know, a lot of people have improved their rolling skills because they have, <laughs> have a lot more units. Yeah, oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, it's weird that 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 because that has always been a thing in our community of the always ritual. Share. Always but now, always. now you go buy your pack. I, I I manage two dispensaries up here, and everybody just smokes their own. Now you go buy a pack of joints, and you hand those out. To, like, here you go, want to smoke a joint? You hand it out to ten people. Everybody's got their own, but it takes well, and 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 the thing thing away is, that's a different experience, but also equally valid. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and True. the thing is also respectful and kind and thoughtful. Right. And, you know, as you said to our fans, you know, we've shared our last due and, mm. you know, okay. Yeah, but the music, but now, keep, well, the music now, keeps let's going. Light, let's light up 20 joints and smoke out everybody, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you, Apple. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's what happens now. There's so much more smoke it shows because you're not lighting up that or hitting that bowl and passing out. Everybody's got their own shit now. Yeah. And it's yeah. just so it's just billows. You know? Well, it's cool to see how far you're taking the care yeah. of your onstage family. It, it's cool. It's cool to see, just period, you know. We're at that phase. It's, it's not just the onstage family. It's all Yeah, no, well, fans, yes, right? both. Because our fans are, you know, have a large number of, we have a large number of fans who are in our age demographics. So many of them are vulnerable, too. And uh, um, and so we're just trying to be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha, and the thing man. is, it's, it's like, you know, what I would encourage anybody who's listening to this is to just recognize that, look, Everybody gets to make their own choices. These are the choices we're making. And yeah. if you like them, <laughs> join the tribe. And if you don't like them, God bless, cool. right? And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, there's no other rules other than respect each other and be nice. I, I, I have be to kind. say, with what you just said, I'm making my choices. You're making your choices. Let's respect each other for our choices and love each other regardless. Yeah, if we could Quit all adopt that, things would be a lot smoother right now, Roger. Smoother, and and we have a band that's a cross section of America, right? Right. We're black and white. We're old and young. We're male and female, right? All in this one band, and we truly are a family. Love each other, and it really is obvious while we're playing. As you oh yeah, know, it is. Right, it's super obvious, mm-hmm. and. And the funny thing is we're, we've all been playing for a really long time and everybody goes, wow, I've never actually been in a band like this before, you know, and, and we're not quite sure how it happened, but that's the other beautiful thing, right? It's like you go back and you listen to the recording and you go, huh, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I invite anybody who's listening to this, just if you go to moonalice.com, Scroll down part way. You'll see there's some featured shows. Check a couple of them out. What are some of your favorites? Like two, two of your favorites on there. So either because you played it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me let me open it up, and uh, I'm just going to look and see what's there because I don't want to give you one that's not like really easy to find. Um, okay, uh, I think that the uh, let's see. I love that he looked. I know and, this makes me happy because yeah. I. I I love asking that and then going back and watching what you had either fun playing or what you thought was great. 
So there is a show from Sweetwater from February. Mm -hmm. It was our, you know, we tried indoor before while we had that brief moment where it worked. That's a magical, magical show. I really, really like that one. Okay. And uh, the Redwood Mountain Fair, which is June 5th of this year, that's a really good one. Okay. Okay. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's like. They're all good. Yeah, yeah. We, I know. We know. And, and in good. fact, it's, it's not listed there. But if you go to the archive, the one I'd really recommend to people is the uh, Hog Farm Hideaway, which okay. was a month ago. And so this is at the hog farm, right? Yeah, we, we the you know, Black Oak Ranch, man. That, exactly. Yeah. And so um, that was a truly, truly magical show. And, All right. Uh, it, it, I, I need to get it put onto the featured show list so it's easier to find. But you can, there's a little bar below it where you can just put in and just cool. put hog farm. Roger, I, I know that you're a busy guy and I appreciate you giving us this is your great. time, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> How, I, you, should, you, you guys should get Lester. And talk to Lester. Uh, we'd, right. love to. we'd love, love to. to. And actually, I'm I'm gonna stop recording. I wanna ask you, I have to tell you a secret. <laughs> what well, I, I just wanna wait, wait before wait, you before quit you recording. Okay. Just say I just wanted to say right also, Roger, thank you. And I now see like I mean, you're out there. You, you, there's a lot of articles, you've written books, you've done a TED talk, you're very accessible. I now see sitting down for an hour with you, you're very fun and engaging to talk to. And it is great to see your childlike exuberance <laughs> over the of what Moon Alice has gone through and become, and what it what it is now. You are we're all music nerds, and to get to see that side of you being the music nerd that we all super love, cool. super cool, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Also, poster nerd. Uh, <laughs> so you have Dude, we got Mike, a, we Mike got a closet full of Dubois over there that you would just freak out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, so, you know, we did a thing called the Hate Street Art Center, which is a art center and museum devoted to San Francisco's rock poster art. And so we have, we really do believe in the posters. And Moon Alice, as I said, the next one will be number 1300. Oh, man, oh, that's so cool. I feel like I need to go and just purchase that 1300 one. There are, there, <laughs> there are books of all the posters, which you can get. Oh, wow. We've got a small stack from a friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We got a few. Well, you know, on our 420 show every year, we, we have an open call. And so we usually give out 20 or 21 posters each year mm. um, on that particular show. Who likes to get high? You like to get high? Yeah, I like to get high. Me too. Mel? Heck yeah. I, I enjoy being high yeah. now and then. Being high, so, being low. We got you covered. <laughs> and if you're here in the Portland area, Define Premium <laughs> Cannabis has you covered. You should go out to Hillsborough or Forest Grove. And get yourself some of the dopest dope you ever smoked. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and if you swing on through the Hillsboro location Monday through Friday, I'm there working. This is Apple. That's where I work. And I will personally tend your bud, get you suited with whatever you need to go home, get feeling good. We even got one of my favorite products, which is bath salts from Ooh. High Desert Pure. Ooh. And it's I'm bath man, time. most relaxing bath in the world. So if you're out in our area, come visit Hillsboro Forest Grove. Make sure to say you are a listener of No Simple Road. Oh, yeah. Because then we'll, like, shoot off fireworks and throw balloons, clown will bust no, in but, the room. Well, what will they really get? Oh, you'll get you'll get 10% off your purchase, and you'll get a free T-shirt. What? Yeah, and then when you come back in and you wear that T-shirt, then we add that on top of the 10%. You get 15% every time you come in. And we'll probably hook you up with some other extra goodies, too. Oh, wow. Check that out. Right on. You guys... Everybody out there, listen to me. 
go to Define Premium Cannabis, go to Hillsboro, go to Forest Grove. If you go to Hillsboro and you can say, hey, Apple from No Simple Road tended my butt. It'll yeah. be cool. Go check it out. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Darwin isn't ready. He's born ready. He is not born ready. That like, dog he, is the Dar- opposite of born ready. Darwin was born ready to eat treats. That's <laughs> true. Absolutely true. That's what he's waiting for. He, he's such a good boy now when we podcast because he knows he'll get praise afterwards. <laughs> he just waits patiently. Uh-huh. Like, okay, is it over? So, yeah, you made it. You're, you're at the back end now. What's uh, happening? We hope you enjoyed that interview with Roger. Thank you so much for hanging in there and listening to what we got to say. So? So? Here we are. Yay. <laughs> yep, same thing. This is what we're saying. You know what? It's been uh, a... It's been a motherfucking a shit lot. show, guys. I'm scared. <laughs> Things are going crazy. A lot, lot of and stuff I'm kind going of on. Joking, but I'm totally not at it's the same time. It's been a long, strange trip. Let's just say that. This yeah, I guess last few weeks has been whew, a lot. I I woke up this morning and like, you know, like when you, you're not sure if you're getting sick or not, like you wake up and your head's kind of foggy and you're not right. And you, like, I, I went out in the kitchen and I was like, okay, coffee's going to fix this for sure. Coffee's going to fix this and coffee didn't fix this. And then I was and just that's, like, that's usually your fix for, for most things, for most especially things. in the morning. Yep. And then that's your Vicks VapoRub. I literally was standing in the bathroom frozen this morning, just like staring at the wall going, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't feel right. Like I felt like I had a 50 pound bag of sand on my back and like, do I take a shower now? Do I just say screw it and go to work dirty? <laughs> what do I do? And I, I ended up shower. Sh- okay. I, I was going to say, please up, tell me you showered. I, I woke up. up sh- yes, I did. I did. did wash that 50 pound bag off. It, no, it, the 50 pound bag there? came with me through the shower into work. When I walked into work this morning, my boss was like, what's wrong with you? So yeah, it, today's been a rough day. Yeah. It's been a rough couple of One weeks. Eight, you're still adjusting to the way, which I don't blame, man. After getting to work at home for over two years and then you got to return to the office setting. That's it's a shock. Uh, yeah. It's a bit not, of a shock. It's not just that. It is for no reason. <laughs> it's actually less productive. Yeah. It makes no. They're like, well, you only have to come back three days a week and you only have to come in five hours a day and then work the rest of the day from home, which we all know. Once you leave work, even if you're going home to work, you're not really going home to work. Let's be <laughs> honest. I, I mean, so. What they did, in effect, is say, you can work five hours, three days a week. I mean, that's cool, but it's just yeah, so we need silly. to f- fill a building. <laughs> it's just the silliest <laughs> thing ever. But the, I don't, I was trying to, like, figure it out today. I'm like, okay, there is a lot going on. Like, you guys heard last week we moved our son out of the house, and 
you know, that's a huge change that's going on that I'm still integrating what that means and what it feels like. And it's hard and it's sad and it's exciting and all that stuff. But then at the end of the show last week, we, Mel and I figured out that we could end up going to tab on Sunday. Oh yeah, that's right. You all heard about that. We just like realized. <laughs> As we were recording. Yeah. So that was like our little like ice cream cone at the end of the day, you yeah. know? But what was in front of that was Friday morning, Mel and I woke up, we got in the car at like eight o'clock in the morning, seven thirty. We took our time actually. It was nice. And we drove to California the long way. Well, not the long way. I take that back. The scenic route. Yes. We took the scenic route. <laughs> and we, we went to a meeting. A meeting. Jesus Christ. We, we did not a, go to a meeting. We went to a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it was a meeting of people, but it was called a wedding. Yeah, they called a wedding. The meeting of people congregating for uh, wow. nuptials. See what I mean? Oh, uh, we went I'm to my right. homegirl, Brookie Brooke and Keaton. Meeting. Congratulations. They are Brookie right Brooke, now the original in Cheddar Glitter. That's right. Cheddar Glitter forever, baby, for life. Um, but um, yeah, so congratulations to the newlywed couple. They are right now vacationing in Cabo Cabo honeymooning. And so that was right. We drove down Friday, stayed Friday night, Saturday, we went to the wedding after the wedding, went back, went to sleep, got up at four 30 in the morning on Sunday and pedal to the metal back to Portland. We were over the speed limit. Pedal to the metal back to Portland. (laughs) Dramatic effect. Went to tab, danced all night. And then, ugh. It was a long, long trip. That's all I got to say. And we stayed in the grossest hotel ever. <laughs> ever in my hotel. Life. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Gross. It was, it was gross bad. I, I, there I, was, okay, it wasn't gross. Like there was bugs gross. At least well, not that we could see with our eyes, maybe microscopically. Um, but there was dinge there was if you're if weird you're, odors there was doors t- that don't close there was oatmeal with open no closed lid and s- gross blue like kids it was, playing in yeah, it bowls like, of I, rotten, I, I knew, rotten oranges in the fruit in the morning I, I knew it was serious when you guys called me what was it saturday, saturday yeah, it was morning. saturday morning and and it's funny because aaron sometimes embellishes and exaggerates conditions a lot of times and then he goes he's all hold on and he put it on speakerphone and I'm, I'm like mel was it that bad mel mel like sometimes can sugarcoat things and make them sound bad mel was like you know it wasn't yeah it was it was bad <laughs> <laughs> like she couldn't come up with anything it was like yeah i was like was it the doo-doo hotel and she's like yes totally it was the doo-doo hotel. hotel if you if you're a listener of no simple road and you've listened to the like the beginning of no simple road you know that I was homeless and stuff. Like I've eaten out of a garbage can. I've slept in an abandoned building and under a stairwell. I can handle some shit. But this was fucking gross. It was like, bad enough you wrote a bad review yesterday and you don't take yeah. the time to really no. none of none of the three of us really take time to be like it's just like, okay, I won't go there again. Yeah. Aaron No, it's like, I, I, I felt need like to he say should something. write a bad review too. Not like not like rude, but like this is what I was just warning beware. other people. Yeah, yeah this beware. is the condition you're you're coming because this is the sad part. We get there, and I was kind of happy because we finally got to our location. We had just dropped off some stuff for the wedding that we, you know, at Brooks Hotel. Her hotel was cute, so I was expecting something adorable. 
and like I walk into the um lobby the lobby and it's cute they like had redecorated they've got like all these fun little trinkets like a gift shop and like it's quiet so the lights are down except for the counter and it just it's actually really quite charming but then <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> she's like oh your room's on the side of the building you can park on the side and i don't know when she said side 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 <laughs> side 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 <laughs> i was like i said i was still happy because we were there we we're freaking exhausted it's 10 30 at night we Go we walked to in. the room. It smells like fabuloso. It smelled. <laughs> so, <laughs> it smelled so weird. Like it was clean visibly, but it smelled like cheap cleaning products and st- stuffiness. And Medusi. so there was two beds, the two queen beds. And I, you know, I'm trying to be funny and like making jokes with Aaron about the beds and hanging up my clothes in the closet but like still kind of have that uncomfortable shoulders to my ears feel and i sit down on the bed and and the bed like i thought it was going to collapse into the floor oh my gosh i was the dude when i i was like taking my time washing my face and brushing my teeth because i didn't want to lay in the bed (laughs) and like when i finally milking it trying to avoid it and when i finally did it was i thought it was gonna be if i like in the cartoons when there's like the wood that is stretches and then just one more thing and you see all the fabrics of the wood stretch and break. That's the sound it made. I, and I couldn't, I, I was like, I don't know. okay, well maybe it's just this bed. So I went and I sat on the other one and the other one was worse. And then I was like, okay, you know what? You're tired. It's been a long day. Just, just get in bed, man. And I go to pull the, the comforter back and the comforter was, you know, the stuff, they use it's white and it's like fibers and they use it to stuff pillows. Yeah. If you took that stuff and put it in a hydraulic press and made a blanket out of it, it, that I'm not joking. That's what the comforter was with like hairs and like shit, like weird stuff in it. That was the comforter. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that look on your face. That was how I felt. I was like, okay, so I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to brush my teeth and get in bed. Go brush my teeth. Got toothpaste on my beard. I go over and grab a towel. And the towel is gray, bro. Like, and and I'm not saying that they, the towels were gray to match the decor. They were once white. They were once white. They actually looked like pink. I ended up wiping wiping my mouth on my shirt. I was like, I'm not, I'm not showering Mm. here. I, and as I said before, I have slept under. Stairwells. I've eaten potato chips out of a garbage can. I'll yeah. do a lot of things that I won't do. So I ended up sleeping in my sweats and a hoodie in the bed, like kind of on top of everything. And I wake up at 2.30 in the morning and the phosphorus light from the hallway outside is blaring through the window and it's like 85 degrees in the room. And I was like, that's fucking it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm leaving here. Damn. It was bad. But then you guys got over that. Yeah. And you went to yeah. wonderful. I, I saved us. I, I, I was like, I'm making a judgment call and I, we're leaving. And I found us another spot. And it was wonderful. It was and, great. And we had a great time. Yep. And that's that. And we saved it, our friends from having the same fate yeah, as Yeah, because our, our friends that were also going to the wedding were 
at the same hotel and we called, they hadn't gotten there yet. And we called them. We were like, you need to change your reservation. Like now, man, you know, you want to come here, come up with some excuse. Yeah. I mean, I got into an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Anything. I, we heard that your place is gross. We didn't even, anyway, the whole, food thing there was nasty too yeah man. we're not gonna talk no, anymore yeah. you guys get the yeah, idea you get the point. we're not trying that to be ungrateful i'm grateful that we had a place to sleep at 10 30 at night we were exhausted from driving all day and I, we just wanted to get past that part in our life and not really ever talk <laughs> about it yeah. again yeah. after this well now we shared it and got it out and it was a funny story i appreciated the entire yeah. thing that's exactly what this. i said to mel when we left there i was like well at least we have a cool story to tell now Ugh. I'll tell you what, though, man, in my life, I've been I've driven all up and down California. I've driven all up and down the coast, but I had never been to the Redwoods and I have never been to the coast of Southern Oregon. I've never seen any of that. And so when we left, we decided to take the scenic way down to this. The wedding was down in Humboldt and we drove through the coast of Southern Oregon, like from Florence down and um down into Humboldt and through the redwoods yeah. i i had heard people talk about <laughs> the redwoods before and and everybody that i've ever talked talked to about the redwoods always is like oh my god you you won't believe it when you see it the trees are so big and in my mind i'm like yeah they're trees i live in oregon like i've seen big trees before i have never seen anything like that before in my life no, it is the craziest display of nature, and yeah, pictures anything do it no justice until you stand by one of those trees. Even driving, it's prehistoric. Yeah, even driving, you really do need to get out. We unfortunately we couldn't do it because we were busy driving. But wow, yeah, the, the expanse and the width and the girth of these massive trunks it was it's like, like a wonder it's like looking at like you know mount st helen or, yeah. or like whales jumping out of the yeah waters. yeah they're giants yes. like i said that they they are so big that they create their own atmosphere uh, atmosphere weather system yeah. uh, that was like one of the first things i said to mel as we were driving we um early like, sunday morning yeah the, it's like a windy road and we rolled down the windows and i was like it even smells different here like mm-hmm. the the forest has a i don't i can't even explain it if you've never seen the redwoods and you have the opportunity go do it it's one of those things that's like a life experience mm-hmm. like those there's an energy and a vibe in that forest that's like ancient you can feel the like ancient nature of that place it's alive. It's a very alive. Even like yeah. on the ocean side, those huge, like a haystack rock, um, that you know, those big stones that stick out, like driving down the coast of Oregon, those huge stones sticking out of the um the ocean, it was like this incredible feeling of big, like gargantuan nature. Yeah. Like the earth protecting is- you on both mm-hmm. sides. Even yeah. though it is kind of scary because it's so windy and exposed. <laughs> that whole drive, like... <laughs> and there's construction and shit. Yeah, like, it was, it was a little gnarly in a couple points. There was a couple places where yeah, I was the, like, the, the my hands are sweaty. And the 101's old and stuff sloughs off mm, and it's yeah, gnarly. Yeah, but 
that drive, man, like the drive down was the most beautiful country I have ever seen. Uh, like every minute was a new, oh my God, look at that. Uh, look at that over moment. there. Like Mel yeah. was like looking at magazines in the car for collages or whatever. Well, I, I was dealing with some really traumatic shit too. I had some mom stuff going on and it was really, and it's still going on and I'm just going to mention that and then that's it. But I was trying to lighten my own <laughs> uh, spirits mm-hmm. by looking at photos and doing something lighthearted. And so I was not focused on nature so much. And Aaron's like every few moments, he's yeah. like, look, up, look, 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 look. And it was really cool to see you so excited for one, because you usually just drive and not too focused on the range. But it was cool. Everything. A really fun drive. was the most exciting thing I've ever seen. That's considered some of the most beautiful coastline in the world. Well, not even the, like, <clears throat> the, yeah, the coast too, but like the from the five to the coast yeah going across like oh my said. god dude like the i think it's the umpqua river that's through there mm, it yeah. was every around every turn is the most majestic vista you've ever seen in your life and the next one is better than the one before it <laughs> and it keeps topping and it. mel's <laughs> looking at magazines and i'm like mel look 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 at Look at the, there's birds over the, look look at the look at the ocean over there. <laughs> I couldn't be like I'd be crying the whole time I think if I was just like looking at beautiful nature and I'm all sad and frustrated and like Do you want to yeah, talk about it, it at all? I mean, not really. I mean, you guys can talk about it and I can add my two cents in, but I don't feel like I'm talking about it because it's exhausting. That's why. Yeah. It's it's well, so being you know courteous to my mom at the same time. right we uh you know like we told you guys last week we our son moved out and that's a huge um life change for us for the house for us as parents the the whole thing like the whole empty nest is real that's they made that term up because that's a real thing that people go through and and you know the two of us are having to learn what that feels like and figure it out and deal with the heartache of it and the happiness of it and all that. And then on top of that, um, my mom got hospitalized like the night before we moved Simon out. And then we, so then it's Tuesday night that happens. My mom gets hospitalized next day. Simon goes away. Then Thursday we're trying to figure out what's going on with my mom. Cause I was kind of like paying attention to Simon and out of commish. And then it just like kind of escalated. My mom's out. She's fine. It's just been really hectic trying to talk to a, like the facility that just nobody's got answers. They're like the left arm isn't talking to the right. So nobody knows what's going on. And it was just is like all these like really heavy life um happenings in the same week all at once and literally in the same week and then yesterday and it was was wedding moving out a son moving out empty nest and then mom a concert oh yeah tray that concert was the medicine the concert was the medicine that's really how i feel like i kind of didn't want to go because we had been driving and i was tired but I definitely wanted to go. Yeah, you know we were just I, tired. Yeah, we were just tired. And then 
So we get ready, take showers, get ready, go. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened. We you, you had a black. We were just saying it earlier yeah. too. Mel, Mel in the parking lot, like let us know, gave a little precursor. She's like, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're here. I'm not feeling the most sociable. So if I'm not quite myself tonight, don't, you know, don't like basically like don't, don't bug me. Don't give me any shit. I may not be as sociable. Flash forward to a little while later, and Tiff sitting on Mel's lap, <laughs> Mel's bouncing all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, bouncing all over. I want to go down on the floor. We were, and it, it was well. It's it just was like sometimes you know, like night. music brings out the sadness in you, and I just didn't want to be. I didn't want to be. <laughs> period. Dude, yeah, and, and you can't, you can't avoid wanna, having fun with Tab on no, stage. No, those no. musicians and, all together, and then seeing seeing Jennifer Hartwick up there. I walked in and saw her beautiful figure. She had a dope one-piece outfit with a red belt, and her glasses and her hair looked so beautiful. And then seeing James Casey right next to her with his friggin' smile on and his hat and, like... Ray and Russ. <laughs> Natalie Cressman. Uh, N- Natalie was hidden from my view. I know you were there, but I saw her a couple of times. But unfortunately, <laughs> like, the where I was standing... Like it was blocked, but they are all three of them are incredible, and then the entire group is amazing. Yeah, that and the Edgefield is such a cool place to see a show. It's so comfortable. It's so like feels good. Yeah, yeah, it does feel good there. Yeah, even even when it sells out. Well, that this didn't sell out surprisingly, but we went there when Billy Strings. Even when Billy Strings was sold out. There was still room. You could go walk down the floor whenever you wanted. It's outdoors. It's got like a grove garden of trees up above. With a statue of Jerry in it. Yeah. There's an awesome like bust. What is it? Like copper bronze or something yeah. of Jerry down there. It's it's a magical place. McMinniman's like does, yeah. does things right. Yeah. So just being there too was really helping me get out of my, you know, everything. Because honestly, if something happened... It's already in the past. So just move on. And that's what I've been trying to tell myself, except this specific situation, it's been continuous. It's, yeah, but yeah, this thing hasn't this, ended. Yeah, this it's been continuous. So it's been really challenging in the midst of everything. And then Sid calls in the middle yeah, of everything. The next, Anu- the next thing was Sid was planning on going to Florida to, you know, take jasper to see his grandma and they were going to spend some time together and she was going to jet off to new york and meet adam because swims touring and it was going to be this cute whole thing and then hurricane or ian Ian, yeah yeah, hurricane ian Ian, um you know shows up and she was supposed to leave yesterday and yeah hurricane ian made landfall today yeah Yeah, a right decision was made yeah and i have a friend in florida i love you sasha hope you're being safe she her house is boarded up and she was like texting me back and forth and i told her about sydney she's like good decision she's like her mom got evacuated so she's like it's it's in the middle of everything yeah as of right now there's over like two million people with no power yeah yeah oh and then Sunday. Didn't, I didn't finish. Oh, okay. So just the last thing is that I have to emergency fly out to LA. So yeah, to go stay with that, <laughs> stay with that little I, Jasper. I want everyone to know emergency. I'm not babysit. complaining, <laughs> but it's just been, so if you don't notice my normal, like, Hey everybody, I love you. And I still love you. I still feel like that. It's just like, Hey everybody, I love you. And you guys are rad. Also the cool <laughs> thing, like all the, 
like with your mom, there there's it's coming to a resolution yes. and a good one and yes. for everybody in the family. Yes. And no, this is like the most honestly, like this is my dream come true solution. It literally is. I'm very grateful for everything. But it's just like after you run a marathon, you it takes you a minute to catch your breath and to kind of like get that, you know, adrenaline down and, you know, to kind of chill out. You like did this incredible feat of like emotional hurdles and stamina and jumps and hoops. And so sometimes it takes you a moment to like come back down it, from it Mars. It reminds me of childbirth. Like there's a lot of pain, but at the end of it, you have this beautiful baby that's there. but. It was bloody. No, it's definitely not like this. Like, mm. I don't want to com- have a nursery and all that bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want it not like that. <laughs> it's it's just, you know, guys, you've been with us long enough. You've been with us through Sid's birth. You've been with us, like, through so many different things. And, like, it's unlike No Simple Road to not talk about our life. Like, I, and what's like, going on. And what's going on. And plus, you guys kind of feel it because you guys can hear it in our voices and stuff like that. So I just want you to know that I appreciate being able to like vent this out. And there's some really sweet hearts that always reach out on the back end and I always appreciate it. So thank you for that. And if you feel like you want to do that, I'm totally down with that. You don't have to wonder. I'm always down for a sweet <laughs> gesture or word. Um super romantic that way. But yeah, I'm I'm I am good. It's just like you guys all caught us in the midst of like a time where it's in the happening, not over a yet. A lot going yeah. on. Well, then hold on, hold on before we get to where to the Sunday night show because that was their week. My mine's easy in a nutshell right now, and I can say this now. Everybody knows I work at Define Premium Cannabis, and we have made the decision. Our our all of our management left and moved back to Arkansas, <laughs> which Dang. was a family kind of our general manager, accountant, and everything. We got a new manager who's awesome. Our my our owner is very involved now and we have made the decision we also had a farm and a processing facility to like grow our own buds and to process all our own cartridges waxes like everything it it's a struggle doing all those things so we've made this decision we're shutting down the farm and the processing so that has been i got uh, not a new title but more money and more recognition and everything's going good but it's been a whole lot of work and stress Actually, I mean, not not necessarily bad stress, just a lot of things to get the pieces in a row. So much today that I like busted a blood vessel in my eye. <laughs> it just happened. It, it my dad gets it. It's something that happens. But mine has just been working, 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 and that's why Sunday night for these two to get back in time for us all to go to Tab at Edgefield as No Simple Road and get some love and life and music was the most incredible thing of the week. But that's my week. Just working my butt off and having fun with it. And things are getting better. And then just to celebrate Sunday night, it was such an awesome vibe there. Yeah, it's just it amazing. It, and I just, before you roll over, Apple, you really deserve all the accolades and the notice that you're getting because you have been working your ass off really hard the entire time you've worked for for him yeah for four and, and, for and a half them. years yeah like you've never not worked hard and now you're just working harder and for him to be directly able to see that because like some of you know we used to work for the same company like 
our boss was just always busy. So he, he didn't he have time. He knows I do a good yeah. job, but he doesn't see no, it. He didn't have time to notice it. He just knew it because things were in efficiently, but it's cool to see you getting the recognition that you deserve at this time. Cause it's well-deserved. Yeah. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. <laughs> and then Sunday also. What? Huh? You were going to uh, say su- Well, Sunday before we headed to the show, well, what? we need to share with everybody. The, oh, the that's, new- right. that's what I was going to oh. say. One, the- one of the no simple road family passed away and, um, he, episode 86, episode 86, David Adam Kasikove, uh, is a past guest of the show and a friend of ours, um, him and his girl, Christine, we would see them at every show. And, and, uh, I got the news Saturday or Sunday yeah, morning Sunday. that, um, he passed away Saturday night. And, uh, I just want to send my condolences out to, to Christine and to his friends and family and let them know that we have them in our thoughts and that we love them. And, uh, you know, he was a amazing pioneer in the cannabis reform world. He is, was integral in Oregon becoming a legal state. And, uh, we had him on the show early on and, uh, it's a sad thing. What happened? It was accidental fentanyl poisoning is what actually happened. Oh, okay. You heard. Yeah, I heard more. So, you know, everybody out there, just be careful. Um, You know, test your stuff. Things are weird. And uh, that's just how it is. Yeah. And he, we, I really encourage you to go back, listen to that episode. I do too. To get to know David. Um, This is, this he's kind of a champion of the show. And he, he, he really knew about is. us and then he came on, he came over. This was one that we did. This is one of like kind of the first ones that we did in, in person. Yeah. With somebody like he came over, he brought his, his jacket, his jean which he, jacket. he was a, he was a touring head like through the, you know, probably 70s. The, yeah, the seventies on. And it's one of those jackets you see from like the seventies that there's no longer any jean material left. It's just like patches holding it together and like so much history. It's beautiful. And it, and we would see him and Kristen at like Christine, Christine sorry, at, at like almost every show. We just saw him two weeks ago. I saw him at O'Teal and Friends when we went, gave him a big hug in the parking lot. And they were talking about how excited they were to be at Tab Sunday night. So when we headed out to Tab, we, you know, we decided it was one of those things. It's like we dance for David tonight and we celebrate for David tonight. Yeah. And, and what a night it was, man. What a night. Yeah. It's a, it's a trip to, <clears throat> I don't know. It, everybody always says that when somebody passes away, they're like, I just saw them at blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just cause you saw them at no guarantee that you're going to see them again, but it's a trip when that happens. And especially when it's somebody that's part of your trip you know what i mean it's a sad thing and you know like i said our hearts go out and our thoughts are with you guys and so if the no simple road family wants to do a little moment of silence for david kaskov with us that would be so rad yeah let's do it right now ready yeah thank you love you brother stay alone may the four winds blow you safely home yeah, so it's it's um so here it been I mean, a ride. Is there any more reasons that we need to give you that we've had a rough couple? Yeah, <laughs> couple weeks. I mean, look, here's the truth. 
of it, like the bottom line, it's Wednesday night right now, right? And no simple roads episodes come out on Fridays. And there's no like I don't get in trouble if if an episode doesn't come out Friday morning. Nobody calls me and says anything. We don't have to put an episode out, but I know that a lot of you are looking forward to it and I know that like it's part of your week. And so I feel an obligation to that and like I love you guys and want to continue to put the show out even though even when we're having a hard time or even when things are tough or weird and like it's Wednesday night right now and and uh, I usually we usually record on Wednesdays and then um I edit Thursday to go out Friday morning get everything ready and it goes out Friday morning and uh tonight man I was up on the porch we were getting ready to come down here and I was just like my God, I do not feel like doing this tonight. Like doing the shop tour bus commercial and the defined thing and like having to just be on right now. I don't know if I can do it. And uh, I'm glad that we did it though. I really am. I, it, it helps. It, this li- helps. It, it livens us all up. Yeah, you were. You looked like you were ready to go to sleep, and you got life back in you and color during this. It it does help. It, it is really is therapeutic. A, yeah, it, that's what it's I was gonna medicine. say. It's medicine <laughs> for us. It's therapeutic because I was feeling like that too. Like, all right, I, it's not like ever that I don't want to. It's just some, sometimes I really feel like my mood is going to show up too much and I don't want it to. And, and we've you all know? said that to each other before we've been, we've been you know, we, we don't want to bring it to you if we're not into it. And like, you know, hundred percent, it, it doesn't have anything to do with not being into it. It's like emotionally right now I'm spent, which makes it hard to be into it. Yeah. yeah. It's, I still, yeah. I'm still, in, yeah. I'm still into no simple road a hundred percent. It's just like, I don't have a, I don't have anything in the tank to give, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> it's, it really is therapy. It really is. It's a, uh, it, it sounds corny too. I, I guess that could sound really corny, but <laughs> don't you mean, Crony, <laughs> what? Crony, oh, I like that. <laughs> got it. <laughs> right on. It's an inside thing. I got to tell you about. I forgot to tell you about this. <laughs> well, I love corny shit. What's you this? Like, cro- what's you this like cro- corny shit? I love corny shit. I, when people say this is going to sound oh corny, God. it's like fuck yeah, bring it on. I Dude, like corny. We were driving. This is in Oregon. Um, there was like a farm stand on the side of the road <laughs> and there was a hand painted sign. It's it's huge, huge, it was huge, huge red, sweet cron for sale. <laughs> Next right. <laughs> sweet, sweet cron. I, so a while back I, I had texted Mel, we call like seltzer, we call it fizzy water. And I had texted her at the grocery, she was working at the store. And I was like, can you bring home some fizzy water? But it auto-corrected Fozzie and it went to her. 
So from then on, it's been, will you get some fuzzy water? That sounds better. I like right? fuzzy better. And when we passed the cron sign, I was like, well, that's cron. it's cron from now on. That and fuzzy I water. I wish I would have been with you guys. I would have been like, we have to stop and get some cron. I need, I need to meet the people who are selling sweet cron. Please, sweet Jesus, can we turn around? It'll oh just take God. a few minutes. We were trying to get to Tab. We couldn't do it. <laughs> tab got in the way. Of our cron. You did. Now we'll never you know. Show what up cron like is. half hour late. You're like, we brought cron, no? Everybody just be like, what the fuck? It was the funniest shit. It's almost as funny as Hail Stan instead of Hail Satan. <laughs> okay. I was like, wait, Hail Stan. Hail Stan. Yeah. Anyway. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crony. Well, that's a hell of a week. I like yeah. that. That I like. I like the uh, sweet craw. <laughs> okay, nice we'll end it on a sweet note. Yeah. <laughs> wow. If anybody has a recipe for sweet craw, <laughs> reach out to that That's where you go. Holy uh, shit. Um. Yeah, man. It. Thanks, you guys, for for hanging out with us and and listening to us talk about our stuff. And you know, I. What else are we gonna do? Also, not do the show. That's w- not going to happen. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's reached out to us after the Nathaniel episode um, with really sweet messages. Thank you so much for listening, first of all. And thank you for letting us know what it means to you. That yeah, It means the world to us to hear it. Yep. And we can't wait to see you all at, at shows when they start happening again next summer. And we're looking forward to a little um, fall and winter hiatus hunkering down i mean we're still yeah we're gonna be hitting local shows yeah we're in october 15th we're gonna go see um polyrhythmics and the 14th and then the next day we're seeing jerry's Jerry's middle Middle finger Finger. that's down in eugene and then um what is there another one in october november we have green sky bluegrass (laughs) oh no and then we're gonna see swim october 26th at the wonder ballroom and they're gonna be with crooked colors and um yeah and then green sky then green in november sky. um and then i don't know what's after that oh you know what is after that mel no i do not mel and i officially scored a mexico pa- <gasps> package for fish mexico yes we did we are going mexico. Fish mexico. we are mexico bound we're gonna go see our mexican cousin again yep yeah so we're doing it and i'm super stoked and uh that's so if you want to celebrate our 25th anniversary Oh my with gosh, us, it really is our 25th anniversary, guys. We're going to be there either the day before our anniversary or on our anniversary. It's the 28th, so I'm not sure how long the run is. I think it's the 27th, Okay, so we so, leave the day yeah. before. But we're celebrating our anniversary there. So, you know, if you want to come celebrate your anniversary with us down in Mexico, Fish is playing our anniversary party. It's pretty dope. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. They're afraid anybody out there has got an extra package they want to just give to me. (laughs) (laughs) Apple would be thrilled to take it off of your hands. Um, Remember, everybody, we will be back next week with better attitudes. Yes. (laughs) More more lively attitude. More stuff and things, too. And um, We're going to lick our wounds this week, and then we're going to come back next week and be... One of of the bright things, though, is today, uh, waking up today, the rain has returned Mm. to Portland. And the rain. It was a beautiful day to wake up, to see the streets wet, and to smell that fresh rain. Smelling petrichor? Right, yes, yes. 
It, it, it's amazing. I love this time of year. Yeah, me too, man. It's this is the best. Um, oh, I want to say one more thing. Oh, if <clears throat> any of you um, listen or not listen, but if any of you are our Instagram friends, followers, whatever, I did a um, podcast called Mom and Me Astrology. I was their um, person for the Libra season. And it is um, the second to most recent episode. So go back. It's Melanie Schaefer. Um, it was a super cute, fun interview about Libras. So check it out. Yep. Cross pollinate with my friends, my homies, <laughs> Kate and Mary at Mom and Me Astrology. Yeah. Listen to Mel. She knows stuff. I know it's a little stuff. bit. Yeah. So we'll be back next week with more stuff and things. Remember, smile at a stranger. Eat your cron. <laughs> Hydrate <laughs> that crown. Safety third. We love you guys. Peace. tell you about the April May 2023 issue of Relics magazine features a Dave Matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks Relics. Hi, this is Henry K host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.